0: You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome into the show. I am your host, James Payne, and I am here with my co-host, Dalton Gray. How are you doing? Fantastic. And Mariah Humphreys.
1: I'm here. Push yeah. the red button.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> all right, so we have a really awesome episode up for you guys today, for you guys that are going to get ready for coastal hunts, whether you're coming up for your first guided hunt, or maybe you're going to try and use a buddy's boat or your own boat and go down there and do it yourself. This time of year is about the time you should start thinking about what you're going to shoot it with. And that's what we're talking about today is how much gun coastal brownies.
2: Coastal so, brown
0: bears. So hang in for that. That'll be our main topic for the day. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. how are you guys doing this week?
1: I'm doing pretty decent.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah? here. Are you enjoying this nice warm winter we're
1: having? Oh yeah. It's like, what's what's it's like <laughs> one degree applied. right now yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this has
2: been a weird weird january man. yeah
1: it's like i don't know we got a couple inches of snow this morning
2: yeah, yeah. finally yeah yeah i was right. kind of wondering it's the first time it snowed in probably a month and a half well
1: that's it, i know i was thinking that the other day i haven't plowed for yeah. quite yeah. a while i might be plowing when i get back to work monday though
0: yeah when i was down in montana i had a a whole freak out moment of wondering you know i have a shed at my house that's not very well built oh, it's one of those right. kit sheds from home depot and yeah and i was wondering you know man if it dumps snow you know, i cleaned it, i raked all the snow off the roof of it before i left but i'm like man <laughs> if it dumps like it did last holiday season you know that thing's gonna be collapsed when i get home i came home there wasn't a single inch on the roof
1: well so, hey, everyone is different
0: but every winter yeah very different so mm-hmm. all right well i have a little bit of housekeeping to the housekeeping this is the opener okay. of this episode is going to be kind of a throwback to episode nine when I was not here. Okay. So there was a little bit of housekeeping that took place in that episode that I actually have some more housekeeping for. So we, you guys did a really good job of looking up the coat that I had talked about that I did. That I had That would have been all there. Dalton.
1: I didn't look that up at all. Well, he Dalton just told did, me about yeah. it. And, yeah.
0: and, and he's a gearhead. So, I mean, I totally expect that from him. And I'm sure the, the Neptune is a wonderful jacket and it'll do the job if you need it to. Mm-hmm. However, none of us have actually tried it yet.
2: <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's
0: not so, what you have. I have an apology to make to our listeners. So when we were doing that episode and I said I was wearing the Neptune, I had done a quick Google search looking for, because I'm horrible with names, okay? I can't, that's why I don't watch sports. I can't remember coaches' <laughs> names, players' names, anything. I hardly remember I just, you guys' names half the time. Right. But, <laughs> but, so I was doing a Google search and they have two, two coats with the same pattern of camouflage on them. So when I did a quick Google search, I saw one. I'm like, oh, that's the one I have. Mm. And it was not. What I actually wore was the Grundens weather watch jacket. Okay. And the weather watch is a breathable. Now I, I needed you to explain this to me because it says it's 10 K waterproof and five K breathable, which from your article before yeah. at the beginning of the year you use you, you had an it article on this one
2: is breathable it
0: is it's it's breathable it's their only breathable jacket to my knowledge
1: so so something with a lot of these companies is every company is going to have different ratings you know what right. 10k means it may it be a Grunden's it, proprietary. It, I remember so, when we we're
0: talking it's it's a uh is it the milliliters is that 10k milliliters yes. let's back up to one
2: more thing you okay said. yeah. Uh, breathable with Grundens. They do make other breathable rain gear. Products. Do they? Okay. They do. Yeah. They have some Gore-Tex style higher and stuff. Yep. When they talk about breathability ratings, it's it's not the greatest across the board test, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the industry standardized way of basically how much water pressure it takes to force mm-hmm. water through the fabric right yeah i remember that part reading that right the the breathability rating is how quickly um how how, how do i say this how quickly it allows vapor to pass through it from the inside okay Okay. and that's why there's a different rating of 10k waterproof 5k breathable right okay so anyway I, i i I didn't know if that, that jacket that you had was breathable. Um, mm-hmm. if, if that is indeed a fact, then you know, that's great that it stayed waterproof the whole time. What yeah. was that called again? It's, it's called the Grundon's Weather Watch. I'm going to look it up right now we're going.
0: And I remember that the reason I bought it was it said it was slightly breathable. breathable. So, and so when, when I heard that episode, I was like, wait a second, did I say the wrong name? Yeah. And that's kind of what piqued me. Okay. So I went home and I looked I looked in my closet and it, it is the Weather Watch jacket. So okay.
2: and now it it worked phenomenal. I you know I put it through seven. And that's days like down a there. nylon style fabric. It is not rubberized.
0: Right? No, it is nylon. Yeah. Okay. And so it, it worked great. It kept me dry. Uh, and the best part about it for if you are on a budget, I don't wanna say it's
2: like like sixty bucks. Something yeah, like that. It, yeah. It's it's very affordable. Grundon shows it 90 to $95. Okay. Yeah, it might have been on sale. At sports, sports, yeah.
0: sports. I think you I did say it was on sale when you got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm that's the sure one I have was. right there.
1: It's a sport fishing one. It's specifically the sport fishing model then.
0: Yep. 62 bucks right there. Yeah, yeah there you go. So
2: on Amazon Prime.
0: Yeah. And, right, and no so bet. for reference to, to this jacket, it's not going to be... It's nothing compared to like the rain gear you guys were wearing down there. I mean, I think you were saying the standard for most people... Or for most yeah, jackets, it's yeah. is closer so, to the 20,000 rating. So
2: when you get into the breathable waterproof membrane jackets, let's just talk about the, the industry standard for a three-layer laminate mm-hmm. style raincoat is 20,000 or more. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I, and I would have to refresh my memory on uh, on, on my own information here mm-hmm. about the article that I wrote about it.
1: Right. That but, was a,
2: that was a while ago. Yeah, that that was an early on article. <laughs> on slept website. some time. But you can go read that article on waterproof rain gear versus yep. rubberized rain gear. Yep. Rubberized <clears> rain <throat> gear does not allow uh, vapor to pass out of it, so it doesn't breathe at all, but it also does not ever have any chance of allowing water through it from the outside. Mm-hmm. So you just cook yourself out, basically. Yeah. You pick your own poison. You're going to end up wet. Either way, it's just up to you. Yeah. So uh the, the 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 test that i wrote about in that article the the kind of standardized industry test is you take it it's a tube and you stretch the fabric underneath of it rubber band it off or whatever mm-hmm. and then you just fill it up with water and you just start dripping in dripping millimeters from the top. i believe uh it, it, a and of, yeah. of stacked uh, water pressure basically yep. mm-hmm. and if you you know 20,000 high in that tube, is when it pushes through. What is twenty thousand milliliters?
1: Millimeters? No. Oh, millimeter. Yeah. Oh, it's, so yes. it's, it's not. Yes. it's a okay. height of it's water. Of it's millimeter.
2: Height. Um. That's on that tube. We're all learning here, and it's. I. I, <laughs> I want to say it's a two-inch tube. I think. Okay. We can so, go yeah, reference this one right here.
1: The article is "Rubber Versus Breathable Rain Gear for Hunting in Alaska" by Dalton Gray, and you can find that on the Northernhunter.com. Yes. Yeah, scroll I want to see.
2: I I want <laughs> to th- say it's a two inch tube that they stretch the fabric over the bottom of. Keep going. Hold Do on. you have like a picture of it or anything? No. 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 Uh, keep going down. Keep going.
3: Keep
1: going. One, One inch, inch diameter, diameter tube. On top of the membrane. Okay. Yeah. One millimeter at a time. Yes. Yep. Okay.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, so this yes. one is going to be the the, the so, Weather Watch is going to be a lot lower so, of a rating than your yes. standard yes. high quality value right. hunting breathable right Where but,
1: but, but so cost to benefit with,
0: ratio. Let's let's right. take let's and, take and this into
2: example. The Grundon's Weather Watch, according to you, is ten thousand. That's according to their website. Okay. Yeah. The Kuyu Yukon mm-hmm. would be twenty plus thousand. Right. Yeah. The Stone Glacier M five set. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, is like thirty-one thousand.
0: Now let me ask you this. Way up
2: price there. difference though. Mm-hmm. What are those ones gonna go for, for a for a set? For the Stone Glacier M five, you're looking at over three hundred bucks for a jacket. Yeah. And about the same for a pair of pants. Yep. And that Grundon's weather watch is like we said, 70, 60, 62 bucks yeah. is what the yeah, website has. 80 bucks, depending on what color you get. And, but,
0: and and I will, with my own personal experience with this now we were down there Mm -hmm. hunting deer for what were we out in the sticks for seven days straight yeah so i put it through a seven day stress test we were in the boat getting sea spray all over we were beating the brush and and swiping through the you know this thick stuff and getting you know and there was dew everywhere and raindrops on the on the leaves and it kept me dry it kept me dry yeah snow it it and it really worked well for what it is and I bought it as a last minute thing. I realized that the, the, I only had one set of rain gear and I needed a second set. I was kind of a little strapped for cash at the beginning of this trip. And so I went and bought the $62 Grunden. Mm-hmm. And it worked.
3: It was better you know, than nothing. It, it, wasn't,
0: yeah. it wasn't what I'd bring next time. You know, right. I'm, I have plans. I'm, I've got a whole gear list that I'm buying this year for getting into the, the deeper or getting into the, the, the more expensive gear. But yeah. that's because I'm kind of there now. You yeah. know, and if you're somebody new getting into this and you want to go down there and chase these deer around, or it's just a wet time of year, yeah. or you just need a good backup because this thing is light as I'll get out to, it's super light. And I was able to roll it up and p- put it in my backpack and I didn't even know it was there. So as a, even as a backup, it might not be a bad option. I would probably recommend a rubber as a backup just yeah. because then you know that you're hundred percent waterproof, right. but right. at the same time, it's not a bad option for the money. And yeah. So I just wanted to, to bring that up and say that you know yeah. it was a little bit of nobody would have known, but yep, it, right. I would have known, and so yep. I wanted to make sure I could corrected that.
2: Well, thank you for that correction. I also have a correction from episode nine. <laughs> I referenced our uh, our listener mm-hmm. that had written in from. Yep. Keel. Was it was it Kenai? No, he was from Seward. Okay. Yeah. Keel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So from Seward, and. <laughs> he mentioned hunting on the peninsula, and I said, oh, the Seward Peninsula, mm-hmm. something like that, and I stand corrected. The <laughs> Seward Peninsula is <laughs> a very western portion of Alaska. Western Arctic, basically. Nowhere close to the Kenai Peninsula, mm-hmm. which is where uh, Seward, Seward is, is located. Correct. it's on the on, eastern on side. of the Kenai Peninsula. So I stand corrected. This individual was hunting on the Kenai Peninsula for moose and bears, not the Seward Peninsula. Yep. So anyway, that's <laughs> so, my that's my humble moment for this episode. All right. And we'll yeah. leave that behind and proceed with great amounts of knowledge.
0: Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction. How I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure grooves built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots, but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 30-30 to the high-velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to HammerBullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure.
2: Alright folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter Rifle Cover. I used one on a recent black deer hunt in southeast Alaska, and it did a great job of keeping the saltwater and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope of my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night, and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman, such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code The THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.
1: Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a flushing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field, talk to us about that. As a matter of fact, I have used a few of
2: their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on the NorthernHunter.com, and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code The Hunter at checkout. And remember, nothing replaces a quality hunting knife.
0: So that's for the corrections. Now, before we get into our main topic, I wanted to kind of present uh, my own, I guess, answer to his question as well, because oh. I didn't get to be here for that episode. And so just been so let's remind folks of the so, question. So he wrote into the show and was asking about specifically barring the other details, the seven millimeter REM mag mm-hmm. versus the 300 wind mag yep. and would one be better than the other? And mm-hmm. you guys did a really great job of breaking that down. I, I really appreciated the things you guys said. And, and Why, thank you. Um, it was really, really, really knowledgeable stuff. And I hope everybody good. got some good information from that. There were a couple things where I wanted to kind of insert my own, my own opinions, but Again, there's <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to say this without it turning into one of our two-hour debates. But there are yeah. to our listeners there are two trains of thought when it comes to killing with guns. There are those that kill basically with penetration and those that kill with energy. Those are two different schools of thought, I guess, when you're okay. when you're looking at this. And and the reason I wanted to kind of dive into this a little bit is because his question the way he worded it was would it still have the energy Mm. for that and so i I don't know if he's if he's of the same train of thought as i am on energy but when you're looking at what a bullet does in energy or in performance you did a really good job of breaking down what to look at and I, i agree with you on on most part you went on a little spiel about how you don't even consider the energy of a bullet for the most part. You look Mm -hmm. at the velocity, the expansion velocity, as long as you have what it takes. And this for those listening is because you don't are a penetration Mm -hmm. guy with your bullets. You, you like your bullets to penetrate as deep as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. I don't really fall under that same train of thought. And I think there's a lot of misinformation spread about in the gun world on what energy does. And then there's two, Basically, there's, there's two calculations you can do, and, and people will, will have their opinions on whether kinetic energy is even a good thing to, to reference by. And part of that is because they don't take into account the kinetic energy. And, and the other thing that people talk about is the, what do they call that? The, the theory of momentum. Mm, yeah. Both yep. of those, both the calculations, the theory of momentum and kinetic energy are subjective numbers. And right. I, and so uh-huh. I agree with you right. in, in the sense that velocity is the first thing you should look at. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I do not discount kinetic energy. Um, uh, one thing that I, that kind of struck me with what you were saying in, in the last episode was that there was a quote, and I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing here, but that the kinetic energy of a 4570 is not the same as the kinetic energy of a seven Rem mag. Right. And in field to the animal that is technically correct, but mostly that has to do with bullet construction because you're going to run into an issue if you have a bullet that is too dense, that is too well-structured to stick together where you're going to hit it and you're not actually going to be transferring a majority mm-hmm. of that energy in yep. there. Yep. Penetration and energy, they play together, but you could almost say they're energy or they're enemies of each other if you dump too much energy, you're going to lack penetration. Mm, if you yeah. have too much penetration, you're not going to dump energy. Right. And so you kind of have to look, if your question, Kill, there is, will it have the energy? I'm going to side with these guys and say, either one of those will do the job. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. The, the seven millimeter red mag, I was telling these guys before we even started the show, it's, it's my first love. It's my high school sweetheart. I've owned three of them. I love that round. I now shoot a 300 wind mag, but that's, that was more out of curiosity because i hadn't had one before yeah and that's just the round that i
2: had you know if 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 you run premium bullets out of either one and you run ballistics charts and you look at them on paper mm-hmm. i mean yeah they're pretty neck and neck they are as and, far as even if you look at the energy side of it and, yep. and if anything the seven rem mag is going to retain more velocity and it energy down range at extended I, I, shots because it is a more efficient I, I, style.
0: If I remember correctly, the, the 284 caliber is actually the most aerodynamic width for a bullet. I, if I remember yeah, correctly, I,
2: I have been told that the 284 is the most ballistically inclined mm-hmm. bore diameter to shoot. Yeah, because you know to get up to like 175, 180s, 195s. You are so streamlined by that point. You have to make that bullet so long to achieve that weight. Yep. And it it, it just it bucks the wind. I mean it's yep. it's phenomenal. It's it's a laser beam. Yeah. So it it's very efficiently going through the air without very much resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because of that, it doesn't slow down as quickly as a thirty caliber bullet would. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying no. that there aren't really good thirty caliber bullets out there, but you know apples to apples if you shoot a 195 284 bullet Mm -hmm. out of any 284 magnum compared to uh let's just say a 212 grain 30 caliber bullet right that 195 is going to win that race it is going to have less drop overall likely less wind drift yep and yeah, you're it, you're going to have better downrange retained velocity and energy because of how efficiently it's getting there. Yeah,
0: and, and so. that's you can look at any chart and and it's an undisputed fact that yeah. that that it's a very efficient cartridge. So, but the thing with energy is, softer the bullet, the more energy you're going to dump into the animal. The harder the bullet, the less. Now, you had recommended some mono metal bullets, and. <laughs> I don't, I don't utilize those. I don't, I Yet. don't, no, I don't, I don't use monometal bullets <laughs> and I don't personally, I don't recommend them either, but that's kind of the cool thing about this show and kind of the, the perspective you guys as listeners are going to get to hear is because Dalton and I have very different opinions on, on our, the bullets we like to shoot. And, and I just wanted to dive into that a little bit here. So when you're looking at the three major types of hunting bullets that you're going to run into, there's cup and core, there's bonded and there's mono metal. There's some variations therein. You've got the partitions. You've got the, the interlocks. But for the most part, those are also cup and core bullets. So I'm just kind of grouping them into that category. And cup and core basically means that they have a, a, a copper jacket that they just insert the lead core into. It's not connected in either way. Mm-hmm. Bonded bullets are chemically or mechanically bonded to the core a lead core is bonded to that outer metal jacket Picture so like it's
2: welded to it
0: basically yeah. yeah and so it cannot separate once the bullet expands and then a monometal is simply pure copper alloy of mono-metal. some sort yeah they it's one, one metal. metal Yep, it's all copper and the difference between the three of them is primarily what happens after it reaches the animal now there's a couple issues a couple differences as far as how they fly but that's a topic for another another story what i'm talking about is how it reacts once it hits the animal. And
3: my favorite is the bonded bullet. When you're looking at what takes an animal down, for me, I don't need full pass-through
0: penetration. One story that you had referenced on why you didn't like the lead core bullets and you kind of moved towards the monometal was that you found a Nazaraki Acubond on the offside of a black-tailed deer. And that that was I don't what think, you considered not a a, a well performing bullet. Uh, and I, I don't
2: think that I use that as a instance for not liking mm-hmm. those because I did that two years ago. Yeah, I I like them just fine. But and maybe I didn't explain this well enough in episode nine when I when I was mm-hmm. talking about this. But I should probably clarify. I I like Ludcore bonded-style bullets Mm -hmm. when I know what is on the menu to shoot. Okay. I really don't like them when I'm in a situation that I could have an encounter with a grizzly bear or a brown bear. Like what we're going to talk about later. Right. Yeah. And I want maximum possible for deep penetration. I want the most possible penetration I can get out of Mm -hmm. a bullet where it's not just going to expand and dump a bunch of energy and stop 18 mm-hmm. inches in, I want to shoot 25 inches in or more. If I'm shooting something like my 7 rem mag for deer hunting, which which is what I did in southeast this mm-hmm. year. I took my 7 rem mag deer hunting, but I shot mono metal mm-hmm. Hornady CX bullets. Yeah. You know, for the right application, there is a time and a place for lead bullets where I did Discount the cup and core bullet Mm -hmm. was when I talked about a black bear that I'd shot with my 375 Ruger. Yes. With the 270 grain Hornady interlock Mm -hmm. spire point protected point. Yep. SPPP. That's one of the outfitter loads, right? From Hornady? No, No, the outfitter. No, that's the... the, the, That's um, that's one of the Hornady dangerous game lines. Dangerous game lines, yeah. They have the 270 grain. Basically, it's a big interlock. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, it. They use superformance powder, and as as normal, that bullet goes over twenty eight hundred feet a second, Mm -hmm. according to box velocity. Yeah, I've chronographed mine out of my twenty inch barrel Ruger guide gun as going just about twenty eight forty. Yep, it's ridiculous how fast that load is um, for a three seventy five. Two hundred seventy grain bullet. Mm-hmm. You're screaming. Yeah. So anyway, I shot a black bear with that bullet, and I shot it quartering two through the front shoulder, inside the neck, and raked back through the body, and then I found it in the in the opposite rear leg. Mm-hmm. So it went through. I mean, probably. So four and a half feet of black. Yeah, bear. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hit any major bone and the bullet was very intact and it expanded big. Yes. It looked like a core locked is, mm-hmm. is what it looked like. You know, it was just a big black, which is out. essentially all an, all an interlock is that it's, 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 yeah. it's their version yeah. of the remington. Core lock. Yeah. It's a very soft lead. It expands rapidly. You know, and not, I mean, that black bear, bonded. that black bear went down. I mean, it, I, didn't need to well, shoot him again yeah. you know he he
0: and, bit and, the dust and, and that's kind of where my mindset is is when you have those softer yeah. bullets and they expand because and the, re- the reason i referenced that story of the of the black-tailed deer is mm-hmm. those deer are what three feet long maybe four yeah so yeah and similar you know black bears are not huge in this area yeah. either
2: this was I also this is a six foot black bear i also know
0: reference. I was out caribou hunting a couple of years back with a, a group of fellas, and we hunted, or one of them was hunting with a 180 grain Acubond out of a 300 wind Mag. And this is a, this is a bigger, heavier gun than even mine is, and, and very long range. Shot a caribou at 700 yards, mm-hmm. and it performed exactly the same. It entered in, expanded, destroyed the innards, and was found on the offside in in the ball joint of the offside leg. To me, that's a perfectly forming bullet
3: yeah.
0: it entered the animal it went all the way through and it it dumped all of its energy into that animal and and i just wanted people to to know that there, there's the two trains of thought there and, and that's the one i subscribe so, to um, versus i'm gonna
1: jump in here <clears throat> go for it these guys are being very civilized <laughs> <laughs> i have heard them uh with even with going to the point of raised voices for hours <laughs> about this topic
0: yeah um i'm, I'm trying to keep it Short. You guys are doing a very good job. Because I I want this. I I felt like I wanted to answer his question because he asked specifically about the energy. Right. And 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 in my personal opinion, monometal bullets are not the route to go if you want energy dump. They're what you want to go with if you want that deep two hole penetration and you want to make sure it's bleeding out of both sides as it walks away from you. But if you want it to drop right there, a soft lead core bullet. Typically, Uh, my recommendation would be bonded. Because if you are going to go with a, <laughs> with, a, with a cup and core bullet, the only ones I would really recommend would be the partition from Nosler, the A-frame from Swift, and the interlock from Hornady. Those are really the only ones. The Remington Core Lock is actually a really great bullet, too, for what it is. Uh, I still wouldn't recommend it. If you have the option, I would go with a bonded bullet. If you can afford the premium ammo or you reload your own stuff. I'm But, gonna... but I just... I, I... I wanted, <laughs> that's the only thing that I wanted to, to put my, my two cents in. Okay. Everything else you guys look, said I agree with. Look, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm, not,
2: I'm not disagreeing with the effectiveness mm-hmm. of lead core bullets. I've shot a pile of animals with that 7 mag mm-hmm. with ELDX and uh, Nosler, Acubons, 160s, yep. and they work just fine yeah it's personal preference <laughs> it no, is 90 of this is personal preference but yes. here's why my personal <laughs> preference is better. can i tell you why i think that you you have the preference you do I, I have a theory on why you're the way that you are hold on yes in just a second <laughs> but if i encounter a big bear mm-hmm. and i want to shoot a quartering away shot Yes. That I've got to put it in at the back of the ribs, and I've got to go through some stomach to get there, Mm -hmm. to get up into the lungs. A lead core bullet is going to enter, and that dense stomach contents of grass and roots and whatever else Mm -hmm. that bear's been eating, it's so heavy and dense, Mm -hmm. it's going to absorb a lot of that energy. No, it will, the same thing happens with moose. The same thing happens with caribou. The same thing happens with elk. But with, your bond, with the bonded technology of modern bullets, you're still it looking is, at 70% weight retention.
0: 60 to 70% is what they advertise. Right. And but you're getting
2: rapid, big expansion. Which is what I like. <laughs> which is going to, a lot of it is going to be absorbed into the first 10 inches of whatever it encounters. If you shoot it in the lungs and heart area, that is a devastating shot. Mm-hmm. That, that'll work. If you hit heavy bone, yeah. it will not pass through bone mm-hmm. and make it as far as you would ideally like it to go. It will not. But it's right, also okay. not creating nearly as big of a wound channel either as,
0: as, a, as a
2: lead core. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because if I can shoot through the front shoulder, break it, and and that's not my ideal shot either mm-hmm. on any animal, but if I have a quartering two shot with a monometal bullet, yeah. number one, the bullet is going to shoot through it, it's going to break it, and it's going to carry about 15,000 little bone splinters with it back through the lungs and heart. Mm-hmm. And the bullet's still going to keep on going. You're going to find it back in the guts. If you shoot a quartering away shot, like I first started to explain there, right? That mono metal is not going to get hung up and stopped in that dense stomach material. I would be amazed if, bonded a bonded, bullet, if a bonded bullet got stopped in a stomach. Look it up. It I happens. would be
0: amazed. It happened. And I would I would question. I would question some other now, things. Now that being
2: said, it like I also said in episode nine when talking about this. That's one of those things where if you're far enough away, Mm -hmm. you have to decide your shot angle to be optimum. Yes, you do. You have to wait for a broadside shot, knowing that at that distance, your Mm -hmm. bullet is slowing down enough that if if you were to encounter stomach or a front shoulder, Mm -hmm. you've got to know that you're going to be able to shoot it, to shoot through it. And you can't do that at extended range. Yeah. Okay. So, so. so We'll, all right. We'll kind for of, me, oh, go for it, Mo. For right. me, I like mono metals because <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about which way it's facing.
1: Time for me to interject my opinion, <laughs> uh, specifically on this topic. I've I've let you guys go because I know if I tried to interrupt <laughs> earlier, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We we don't need to talk all podcast about this. We've got other topics to hit. Yeah. So uh, my my thoughts on this, and I think both of these guys would agree with me, is um, I've shot a lot of mono metal bullets shot a lot of animals with monometal bullets mm-hmm. and had very good success mm-hmm. oh they kill i'm not saying they don't um, kill
2: no and, no, no, no and i have hey, had hey hey, hey. you <laughs> and i have both had animals that we've shot with monometals that have just dropped yeah you referenced that a monometal you're going to get two holes and it's going to walk away bleeding out of both sides <laughs> that ain't how that works an animal, okay. they do it it only works that way 80 percent of the time perfectly adequately they
0: do expand (laughs) just fine so so oh
2: guys i I have i
0: have charts and evidence against that but i'm not going to get into it in this podcast i I disagree hey 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 hey, hey, okay finish finish what you're yeah
1: when it comes to bullet bullet choice even if you decide to go with cup and core Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily any of our preferred option Mm -hmm. for big game especially in alaska right but even if that's what you have available, first of all, if it shoots straight out of your gun, if it's the only bullet you can get to shoot straight out yeah. of your gun and it's a reliable bullet, then shoot it. Yeah. If you know your vol- expansion velocities, if you're worried about energy, know the energy that your minimum energy and pay attention to that. If you know mm-hmm. what your bullet's going to do when it hits the target, mm-hmm. that's what you need to, to pay attention to more mm-hmm. than anything. You can go. On and on and on about what, what, what if this bullet hits this and what if that bullet hits that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and is the bullet going to go all the way through? Okay, I shot a moose at 400 yards with a uh, Barnes DTSX. Mm-hmm. It went all the way through. I think I hit a rib on the inside mm-hmm. on the, going in. It went all the way through. It stopped in the hide on the other side, dropped it. Mm-hmm. Just fell, ref- just, yep. just dropped. Yep. Um, that being said, that same bullet also, because that was two shots on that, on that moose because it was walking. At four hundred yards, the first shot went a little further back in the guts.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, I believe it stopped in the guts, yeah. and that was a monometal. yeah, at that range. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know what my, my velocity was at that point. I, I don't have that pulled up right now, but shoot the bullet that you're confident with.
2: Yes. know your limitations. Well,
1: know <laughs> your limitations, know its minimum expansion velocities or energies or your, what mm-hmm. you're referencing. I, I think we all would agree velocity is a little bit of a more of a quick gauge. That's what I look at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I agree with that one. At, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, <sighs> there's a lot of stuff. People reference energy all the time. I think it's an older train of thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's really what it comes down to. If you have a bullet Being that shoots straight. With
2: you shot angles as well. And that yeah. you know Be you can kill an
1: animal with.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, what this comes back to. Better a so, so blue box will we, kill we, a moose. So what? What put, my put in the right place, right? What,
1: if you're if you're gonna hunt sub two hundred yards, mm-hmm. there's not very many bullets. It doesn't
0: matter at that. point. That if yeah. you're gonna
1: make sure you're good at taking a good broadside shot you know, that, properly, there's not very many bullets who are, that aren't gonna do that.
0: Yeah, outside of what we're gonna talk about later, but right. We'll yeah, yeah. well, yeah, we'll we'll
1: go into that. But
0: now, so I'll wrap this up because I, I don't want it to become a, the full episode. But yeah. my point with this whole thing was that. If energy is your goal, if energy Mm -hmm. is what you're after, and I'm just using that because that's the the word that he used, my recommendation would be a lead core bonded bullet. I know for a fact that a bonded bullet will go through both shoulders of a grizzly bear with only 1,200 foot pounds of kinetic energy. I know for a fact it'll stop a, a running moose where there's skid marks and the antlers are literally digging into the dirt, drop them instantly. That being said, both trains of thought are, are perfectly fine. Both trains of thought will kill. Both trains of thought, you know, everybody has their opinion on what's, what's right or wrong. It's whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. But that's my recommendation. And I just wanted, wanted my opinion to be on the show. If you, if you are you asking my, my recommendation for bullets to look for? It'd be the Acubon from Nosler, the Swift Scirocco's, if you can find those. I don't even think Federal's loading those anymore. I don't believe they are. Are yeah,
2: they, they still they are. loading those? Yeah. Okay, I
0: heard there was, there was some... Some, some new contract stuff going on with that. The normal bond strikes are really good, um, you for, know. And then the for closer the, range of the normal oryx, the oryx. Oh, that thing mangles, man! If Have you're you, close range, yeah, it's not a good long range round at all. But. It, but what I mean by that is it, it 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 gets mangled, but it holds together. And that thing looks nasty when it hits an animal. But um, you know, and and so that's that's my my two cents on that subject. Other than that. I think everything you guys talked about is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's, you know, I just, I'm an energy guy. I love, I love, and and I think that a lot of people don't look into the construction of their bullet enough. I think you've got too many people that go to the store and they're just grabbing, (laughs) grabbing whatever they can find off the shelf. And they're not even, you know, you, you talk to guys about what, what does their bullet do? You know, mm-hmm. what, what are you shooting? Oh, I'm shooting this or I'm shooting that or, I'm, you yeah. know, and then they don't actually know how it's going to perform on the game. Right.
1: They just find if something. you're worried
0: about penetration, do your research, find the bullets that are going to penetrate the best. If you're worried about energy, find the bullets that are going to dump more energy, yeah. maybe sacrificing a little bit of that penetration. But like, for me, if it stops in the offside hide of an animal, but it dropped it instantaneously in its tracks, that bullet performed, especially if it held together. Now, if it grenades and it turns into a billion little pieces, and you happen to get a little piece, you know where it counts. I don't count that as a success because that would be you're literally hunting with luck at that point. Maybe you'll get a piece of shrapnel that hits something important. Maybe you don't. But so, but that's all I, I had to say on that topic. And it, yeah. So <laughs> we can so, we can argue about it a little bit more yes. on another episode. But yes. we are at I'm sure we will. We are at time so. So we, this is going to be a really interesting episode here. And moving this, this was brought up the,
2: by you. Yeah, moving on to the new Yeah, DWL when we episode. were
0: talking about this. So you this wanted time, to bring up talking about yeah. the, what kind of gun or how much gun do you need to take on a coastal brown bear? And yeah. again, this time of year, you know, we're, we're in early, early part of the year right now. Season opens in what?
2: Four months? Three months? brown bears Just three and and a half be months. popping out on the coast or down by the beaches in may so, yeah
0: so yeah. if you haven't got your setup yet and you're planning one of these hunts or maybe you have a setup that you're a little cool that maybe is a little questionable this is that's what we're talking about here it's time to start figuring out what you're yep. gonna bring down there so yep
2: and by I, down there, we mean to the coast, to so, the coast, because yeah. we're talking specifically coastal brown bears. Whether that's uh, you know a fly out or taking a boat with a charter or yep. a guided hunt, and you know be it what may, or if you live down there and you can hunt brown bears out your back door, I salute you, local, <laughs> local brown bear hunter. <laughs>
0: so one thing I wanted to ask you to get this thing kicked off is as a because you you guide brown bear hunts, you yeah. have a, a lot of experience down there with them. You've seen several of them take dirt naps now. What it would be for somebody who's coming into this, what would be the realistic expectation of how a bear is going to react to a shot? Typically speaking, it, and we'll, we'll, get into specific calibers later, but like if you have one of these specific calibers, what kind of a reaction? Because some bear or some animals, you know, you can relatively expect they're going to go down fairly quickly. Some like are tough and they're just, you know, they're going to run even if you get a good shot through the boiler room. And
2: brown bears are notorious for, Needing follow up shots. Yeah. They, they, yep. I, I can count, man, very, very few of the bears that have been taken in the last few years that I've worked at this outfit in the spring mm-hmm. that haven't required follow up shots. Yeah. Probably over 90% of the time, your guide is backup shooting your brown bear for you. Yeah. And sometimes multiple times. You know, I think in Alaska, we've all kind of heard the the old tales of, you know, shooting brown bears 13, 14, 15 times with yeah. three seven fives and. Three thirty eight, yeah, 3.38s. and forty five seventy. The old kind of like the, the whole... old Kodiak stories from the day, and mm-hmm. and oh man, yeah, that that brown bear just soaked up like thirteen or fifteen rounds, and yeah. while well, that does happen, that's not the norm. Okay, usually a couple of shots, you know. It and there's another factor of it as well. Be close. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> most of those stories have, are.
1: We have a pretty strictly enforced
2: 100-yard rule yeah. mm-hmm. at our brown bear I would say camp.
1: Most of those stories that you're referencing are specifically... There A lot of those aren't hunts for brown bear. they are more instances where it's it's DLP. <sighs> a few of them that know. I'm thinking of are hunts. Okay. The, so there's some I've known of that were DLP yeah. Um, yeah. where they didn't even have really good brown bear guns especially for no, the range they started that. shooting at them at the brown yeah. bear was locked on and running towards them when they started shooting and at yeah. that point it may take a lot of bullets to stop that bear before yeah. he
0: hit gets to you there was a post i saw this last spring during the baiting season and i think these guys were down south but they had made a post of this brown bear that had come into their bait and mm. they were they were they had taken it and i don't remember the exact count and maybe if if you're listening to this podcast and you made this post you can you can write into the show maybe we'll even have you on to talk about it but they said it took, I think it was four rounds of 4570 and a couple rounds of 300 wind mag.
2: I'm pretty and sure
0: still ran.
2: I'm pretty sure I know
0: you're talking Yeah. I don't remember the name. I don't, I, I, but that story sticks in my head. And it's like, Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm it, pretty th- sure d- it does happen. I'm thinking about but, the
2: same story. And yeah. while I was out at bear camp, my wife sent me a link to the post and said, You won't believe this. Yeah. And it was. It was like all these arguments about, <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't using enough gun, young man. And uh-huh. other people were saying, so inhumane, and you need to pick your shots better, or, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Here's what it is, folks. Okay. You got to get close. You got to shoot enough gun. There's the old book written by Robert Rourke, Use Enough Gun. Mm-hmm. That's the motto that I live by for yep. brown bear hunting. Use enough gun. Yep. And I like to, to tell clients. On the seventh day, God rested after creation. (laughs) On the eighth day, He gave us the 375 H and H and the Barnes TSX. Okay, Um, (laughs) using enough gun with the proper ultra tough Mm -hmm. construction bullet to get the job done. uh, That's and being close enough to get the full effect. Yep, that is. That is required to kill a a big brown bear quickly. Yeah. I do not subscribe to the theory of these guys shooting brown bears at three, four, five hundred yards. That is absolute nonsense. Well, and to be fair. This is a dangerous game animal.
0: To be fair, when you're using enough gun, as we're going to talk about. Now, there is one we're going to talk about that's kind of a do all. But yeah, but for majority purposes, if you're using, quote unquote, because I'm not going to give the names yet, enough gun Mm -hmm. for a brown bear. They're not going to be good to three, 400 yards. Absolutely Those bullets not. are not designed to shoot
2: that far. They are short range. People that are shooting guns. brown bears at extended ranges and extended range for a brown bear. And my world is 150 yards or more. Yeah, that is too far. You need to just get closer, man up, buck up, mm-hmm. stock better and if you can't get close enough then the brown bear wins. Now and you need to just get closer. Explain this a little bit for the listeners because why
0: is I mean and I, I'm assuming it's, you know, okay. ballistic performance, but like okay. outside of that,
2: why outside get of closer? that and this kind of piggybacks off of what I was saying when we started talking about this. Brown bears almost always require a follow-up shot. Mm-hmm. Even a good heart lung shot, you know, middle yep. of the ribs right in the lungs. That's a dead bear on his feet. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Brown bears have um they have an uncanny ability to continue functioning mm-hmm. completely normally and even above average physically, yep. okay? For a long time after they've been shot. Yep. They they take a long time to lose enough blood pressure to bleed out. Yeah. And you know, expire. Yeah. Bears so, have one of the slowest heart rates. Extremely low blood yeah. pressure. It, it you know, if if you shoot something like a uh, and I and I don't know how this compares relatively to uh to like a sheep, but mm-hmm. I've seen sheep shot in the heart and you'll see where the bullet hole is and like a stream. And I and, and I I'm, I'm not trying to be too graphic here, but there's like a stream of just blood just oh, like yeah. pouring out mm-hmm. of that. Ram. Yeah. I've seen bears shot in the heart, and I've never seen that happen. Yep. It doesn't happen. They don't have enough blood pressure to even allow that to happen.: Yeah. And so anyway, so they last a long time after they're shot. The only way that you're taking a brown bear down mm-hmm. is if you shock the central nervous system somehow. Yeah. Or completely shoot it out, you know yeah. If you shoot it in the neck or in the spine, in the back somewhere, then you can completely disable it. Yep. And take it out. I've seen a few now, videos of people that did drop a bear in one shot, yes. but
0: it's not the norm. Yes. It is from what I gather.
2: Now, you know, sometimes you'll see guys with high shoulder shots. Sometimes you'll see guys with high shoulder shots that shoot a black bear or a grizzly bear, and uh, that high shoulder shot shocks the spine, mm-hmm. and just the impact energy will be enough to knock it out And, Mm -hmm. you know, not that that in and of itself is killing it, but by the time it were to regain consciousness, it's already lost blood pressure. It's just going to die. Yeah. Whether or not it actually breaks the spine, I'm sure it doesn't every time, but Mm -hmm. does it help? Sure. It knocks it down, but that does not hardly ever happen with big brown bears. Yeah. What you see happen with big brown bears, coastal brown bears, is if a brown bear, and, and this is coming from the guide's perspective. Right. All of us guides know if, if, if your brown bear gets shot and it goes straight down immediately at the shot, you really need to get quick and shoot it again. Mm-hmm. Because very likely that was not intentional and you probably just shot it high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the client probably just hit it high. It sacked. It went down. It's stunned And it's about to jump up and run (laughs) like you wouldn't believe they can run. And it's going to be gone, and you're never going to see it again. Mm -hmm. And so it's a rule in camp. If that brown bear goes down, you immediately shoot it again. Mm -hmm. Immediately, because you don't know where that first bullet went. You don't know if it went above the spine or below the spine or if it hit it directly and killed it, Mm -hmm. but you can't be sure. You're not going to walk up there and find out. So. You shoot it again. Yeah. You know, and and obviously if the client can and if you're in the right situation, then, you know, you just tell the client to shoot it again. Yeah. But usually a brown bear requires more than one shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why to me, an extended distance shot, these things are always, almost always close to cover. And when you shoot, they're going to run for the nearest cover. At longer distances, you have more variables, mm-hmm. obviously, and it is very hard to get a follow-up shot on a just-going-crazy brown bear that's just been hit at three, 400 yards. Mm-hmm. That's a really difficult follow-up shot. Yeah. Now you're not only leading the animal, but you're having to lead more because your flight time is longer yep. for your bullet to even get there. Yep you're not having the lead very much on a brown bear at 80 yards. No, we're correct. Which yeah. is where you should be. If you go back and read any old you know, colonial African hunter-era books, mm-hmm. you'll find one common theme. Close range. Yep. Close, close range. Because when it, when it comes time to shoot, mm-hmm. you need every bit of velocity... Every bit of, in this case, this is the only place (laughs) where I use this term, but you need every bit of energy that your cartridge can distribute, punching that animal as hard as you can. Mm -hmm. And the closer he is, the more he's going to get. And that's why, you know, and this kind of is a great segue, which is why you use enough gun. So to me, to me, 150 yards is a little bit too far okay i would like to be under 150 personally Mm -hmm. i'm under 150 is good under 100 is better under 75 is fun yeah that's i mean bow hunting range (laughs) is just a gas to get in on brown bears even with a rifle yeah Yeah. (laughs) i've i've had them shot at you know I, i i'm trying to think of last year we got a big one at 80 and a big one at about 98 Mm-hmm. And both of them required follow-ups, and and uh the one at eighty made it into the brush, and I had to go in after it and shoot it. Oh, I remember you telling times. me that story? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and then you know, I, the year before that, we took one at like forty. Yeah, that was a problem bear that kept harassing us in camp, and so anyway, we, we ended up shooting it. The, the the client ended up shooting it. Uh, but yeah, so varying it, distances, but all inside of a hundred yards when possible. Yeah. And,
0: and, and, and for those of you listening, to reference how slow bears bleed, I actually, mm-hmm. this spring, had I ended up plugging a bear with a 12-gauge slug. Mm-hmm. I was not intending to be hunting at the time that I ran into, ran into this bear. and It went clean through, exited out, through left huge holes in the hide, as a, a 12-gauge slug will, in, in, the and, ribs. In, in the ribs. And I didn't find a sp- of blood. The only time mm. I've seen it, it dropped 15 yards. A bear from bleed I hit it, well, but
1: is with a bow with a big broadhead. Yeah, yeah, with a good cutting broadhead. Small broadheads. Yeah, they don't leave any trail at all. Like that's, a,
2: yeah, your bear this spring we had a yeah, pretty decent so blood trail. On the that last one, but... the last couple of bears that I've shot have been with a bow, Mm-hmm. and I was shooting them with the 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 three blade G5 Montech Yeah, that's what I'm fixed shooting. Fixed blade well. broadheads and. Oh, my. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> it was like a tap. Yeah. Just blood everywhere. And the difference... Phenomenal blood trails. The difference
1: there is you don't have blunt force trauma mm-hmm. yeah. killing the animal. It's a clean cutting. cut.
0: Yeah. yeah. But even with a hole the size of a 12-gauge, right. they still... Yeah. That, that trauma, just for whatever reason, they, they just don't yeah. bleed through those holes. And, yeah. you know, and, and even yeah. if they do, the fur soaks it up. You well know, the like, and the fat just the fat, on yeah. those things it just so it kind of closes itself yeah. back yeah. up a little bit. So don't don't think you're going to see that geyser effect
2: like yeah. you do on some of these ungulates like yeah. You're not going to get blood trails like you mm-hmm. like you envision on on deer and, and antelope species. For a quick of, tangent,
1: have you um guided or been around any guided brown bear hunts with bow?
2: Not yet. No. I keep requesting it. Okay. I keep telling the outfitters that I work for, "Hey, if you get any bow hunters, if, like I've heard and, some and, stories, and, and but and I want to
1: hear some stuff here.
2: Yeah, I I I keep telling people that I work with. You know, if we get a request for a bow hunter, send them, and I'll be happy to take them. And so th- there's a chance that I could have one this upcoming fall. But I nothing. I mean, that sounds like an
1: absolute. Blast. Nothing's cool. confirmed yet, but yeah, I, I
2: would love I would love to to take a bow hunter. You know, but being a bow hunter myself, at times I I I love taking bow hunters out. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's a lot of fun. And like I said. I'm getting close anyway. I love getting close to big brown yep. bears anyway. Like I said before, they're a dangerous game species. Mm-hmm. It, it's the largest uh, it, it's, it's the largest land predator on yep. the face of the Earth. These big brown bears are a thousand pounds yep. in the fall after stocking up on fish. A nice yep. big 10and half foot brown bear. mature boar all fattened up on fish ready for ready for his winter sleep Mm -hmm. that bear could weigh 1500 pounds oh yeah it's unreal how heavy they are but you know that's why and segue yeah (laughs) now in this (laughs) we're talking about using enough guns so i think we're going to start talking about that yeah so let's get
0: into this first the first caliber that we have and this is caliber not cartridge people so we're talking about the caliber first um and, and this is the one that i think this is you the would staple. probably recommend, because yeah. this is the one you recommended to me. This is the one I purchased yep. For, yep. for these kinds of hunts. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the 375. The 375
2: so bore diameter is yep. a really good place to start in your search for a brown bear gun, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I I don't think that we're going to dive off into the weeds about control round feed versus push feed in this episode. We that don't can have be another one. Yeah, we don't yeah. have time for that. I would like to take that's more the rifle than the round. Yeah, right. I, I'd, I'd like I, to
1: see you write an article about that. I
2: would like to do a a nice comprehensive video mm-hmm. showing a control feed versus push feed and oh, kind of explain the, the differences and the benefits of a control round feed for a dangerous game gun. But let's just assume. So let's just give an example, you know, if you're going to shoot uh, a Ruger or a Model 70 or a CZ 550, those are all control round feeds. okay? The Ruger Hawkeye guide series, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the guide guns that I have is a 375 Ruger yep. uh, um, Ruger guide gun. And I took off the, the laminate stock and, mm-hmm. and put on a Hogue overmold. With aluminum yeah. pillar bedding. Now I have the
0: Ruger Alaskan, which mm-hmm. comes with the overmold. Right. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a gray, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yep. So anyway, uh, that that the, the three seventy five bore diameter is a good place to start. Your typical bullet weights in a three seventy five are going to be anywhere from two fifty to three hundred, mm-hmm. with three hundred being the most common. Yep. The only intermediate, uh, I, I'm sorry, the only in between weight. Uh, between the 250 and the 300 is generally going to be a 270 grain. They do have a 260 grain Acubon, too. That's right. not as common though.
0: No, I actually can't find in my yeah <laughs> yeah. Right. But, That's right. what I was but trying the, to say. Yeah, the
2: the, the the most common factory loads mm-hmm. are going to be 250, 270, and 300, with 300 being the most prevalent. Yep. yep. So the 375 uh, uh, caliber itself is widely available as far as components go. You can find bullets pretty much anywhere, even right now, post-COVID world, in the reloading world. It's really hard to find components, you know. The the whole, the whole North America market is scrambling for primers still. Yeah. Nobody can find primers. Uh, a- anyway, and powder is starting to come back, at least on our local market anyway. Somewhat. Yeah. It, I, I've, I've been able to scratch up a few you know a pound here a few pounds here and there yeah but strong emphasis on the ish nothing great though ish (laughs) but that being said uh projectiles the bullets themselves Mm -hmm. are readily available for 375 caliber yeah and that's 250s 270s and 300s not always locally but you can usually find them on optics planet or midway yeah yeah And, and they are available online so the 375 options that are the most common are going to be the H and H, the Holland and Holland Magnum. Yep. That's the cartridge that started it all, and the newest addition to that, I believe, from 2007 or eight, is the 375 Ruger. Mm-hmm. And the 375 Ruger uses a straighter case with a, with more of a shoulder. It's a beltless magnum. And uh, it, yes, it, it it does not have a belt like the Holland and Holland mm-hmm. Magnum does. It's a shorter case. It fits in a standard length action from yep. Ruger. Excuse me. And they partnered up with Hornady to develop the cartridge. And so naturally, Hornady is your ammunition manufacturer for yep. the 375 Ruger. The only other company making off-the-shelf ammo for the 375 Ruger are going to be Buffalo Bore and Double Tap.
3: <coughs>
2: Excuse me. So... For factory ammo, your 375 Ruger is going to be a lot more limited and a lot less diverse. I shouldn't have said limited. It's available. It's very widely available, surprisingly available, compared to other calibers yeah. in that in that kind of medium to big bore area. 338 Win Mag has not been around for no. quite a while now. No. No. That, 375 h and H, I haven't seen very much of. Recently at all. Yeah. But I have consistently found 375 Ruger from Hornady. Either the 250 grain mm-hmm. Outfitter Mono Metal back when, it was a C- uh, back when it was a GMX and now when it's the CX. Mm-hmm. Copper Bullet. The 270 grain Interlock Bullet mm-hmm. in the Dangerous Game series. The 300 grain DGX Bonded Round yeah. Nose. And then the 300 grain DGS yeah. Solid Bullet. And, Those and, and four exp- I have found on the shelf, yeah, at different times for the last three or four years, consistently. And so, to explain what you were saying a little bit in depth, your availability
0: is going to be high, you're going yes. to find it everywhere, but at, you're at pretty, least
2: in Alaska. But yes,
0: you're going to have a limited selection on right. what is available, right. you're going to have four types versus 12 right. types, you right? Know? So, so
2: as I said before, uh, the, the, the the other options outside of Hornady would be Buffalo boar or Double Tap. Mm-hmm. I I used to see some Double Tap ammo around Fairbanks for 375 Ruger, and at one point I saw those 260 grain Nosler Acubons. and I should have bought a bunch of them while I found them just for moose hunting, mm-hmm. but I I didn't no. in, anyway. But Buffalo boar has actually been around off and on. Mm-hmm. And they chamber the 270-grain Barnes TSX and the 300-grain Barnes TSX that I've been able to find ammunition for over the, over the counter in the last few years. Mm. And I bought a ridiculous supply of 270-grain Barnes TSX. That is generally what I shoot out of my 375 Ruger for big brown bears. Mm-hmm. It's a good blend of velocity and weight, and weight retention. I now, figure if I'm shooting a 300-grain bonded lead core bullet, if I end up with 90% weight retention or even 80%, that puts me down around that 260, 270-grain anyway. And then versus shooting a monometal that's going faster yeah. and I don't lose any weight at all, and I have greater penetration because there's no, there's no weight loss. There's nothing to slow it down as far as shedding weight like that.
0: Yeah. and, and that, I don't I, need to get off we're on not that again. are going to argue it, yeah. But, or, but
2: the proof is in the pudding. I have a Ziploc bag of lead core bullets that I've dug mm-hmm. out of dead brown bears. Yeah. And the only thing that I've got from my copper bullets that I've shot in brown bears is pictures of big holes at one end or the other. And when I shoot them in one end, it comes out the other. That's And I've (sighs) never had a bear get away after I've put one of those through (laughs) it lengthwise. Now, 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 to be fair. They don't don't get away. Now, to be fair. (laughs) There is, there is something to be said
0: for shooting a monometal in these bigger bores mm-hmm. because yes. typically my issue with monometals is that velocity for velocity, your expansion width is going to be a lot lower too. Anything under 25, 2,600 feet per second, if you shoot a lead core bonded bullet into a, a piece of 20% gel and do at let's, let's just say 20, feet per second. You're talking about normal bore diameters though. Well, hold on. If you shoot the lead core bonded into that, it's going to expand to a wider diameter than a, a monometal will at those, those velocities dancing closer to the 2000 feet per second mark. Yes. That being said, if you're starting with a 375 caliber, that's already a wide enough bullet to have that kind of felt impact when it strikes an animal and anything above that. Still, I've been looking, I have a, and this is not for brown bear, but I have a, a 450 Bushmaster. I've been dancing around with the idea of trying to take a black bear with. and, and I, Admittedly, I don't typically shoot monos, but I have considered a Barnes for that because it's already a forty five caliber. So, so The other thing
2: that you have to consider with, with dangerous game is frontal diameter. That's what I mean. Because, because yeah. yes, and the mass. Mm-hmm. Okay, You're not just talking about energy because, like we said, energy is not a transferable term from one bore diameter to the other. If you're talking about 30 cal versus 375, mm-hmm. energy is not a good comparison because you can get pretty good energy with a hopped up well, 300 wind Mag load compared to a 375 H&H with a 300 grain bullet. Well, but again, that, the difference that, in how a brown bear is going to react
3: mm-hmm.
0: to
2: a 200 grain 300 wind Mag versus a 300 grain 375 H&H yeah. Let's just say at a hundred yards, even if the even if the wind mag you know hits it with more velocity, which it will inherently, um, the the difference in the reaction and in the performance of a three seven five is the displacement that a three hundred grain yeah. momentum yeah expansion and also the frontal diameter. Yes. So if well, and you and that falls back to saying that it was double caliber expansion yeah okay, so like point seven you know, so pushing three quarters of an inch mm-hmm. on a three seven five bullet if you get three quarter inch expansion on a on a three seven five caliber in an ideal world, you're getting uh let's see a thirty caliber mm-hmm. you're getting point six okay, yeah, that might not seem like a whole lot, but if you hold up an expanded thirty caliber oh, bullet right. versus yeah. an expanded three seventy five caliber oh, yeah. bullet it looks like you're shooting a cannonball with a, with a 375 bullet. Yeah. Right. And then if you hold up a 416 next to that, it looks even bigger. Well, and so that, and that's, that's what we're talking about is displacement. And, and that
0: falls back to what I was saying at the beginning of this, which is that energy is subjective, right? It depends on right. it. You can hit an animal with it's not- 6 or 8,000 pounds of kinetic energy, but if you don't transfer that energy into the animal, it's not going to make an effect. Right. Well, I'm- You have to actually get a bullet that's going to expand properly to the right diameter size, the bigger, the better. The more expansion, the better. Because without that, you're not transferring that energy. With a
1: heavier bullet, you can transfer you retain, energy by
0: punching somebody in the face.
1: With a heavier bullet, well, right? But not with.
0: <laughs> no, but you're not going to do it by punching them with a pencil,
1: right? Right. With right. a heavier bullet, you retain the energy throughout yeah. the impact. I mean, yeah. so that's where. Well, that's even where your then,
2: momentum calculation yeah, is, yeah. because exactly that bigger I mean, it, and it's the old analogy. If you hit a brick wall with a Corvette going 100 miles an hour, the Corvette's going to disintegrate. If you hit it with a half-ton pickup truck, you're going to have a whole lot more damage on that brick wall than you are on the vehicle when compared to the Corvette. Mm -hmm. But because the truck is heavier and it's carrying more momentum, I mean, we see it with people that hit moose all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, if a a Toyota Prius hits a moose, (laughs) rest in peace, man. (laughs) You know, I, I I hope God has salad in heaven for you. And the moose will just shake but, it off uh, and walk away. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> sorry, and, I, and I'm not against you if you drive a Prius. But I just don't approve of them anyway. No, but before we get too, but, but if you hit away, a moose though, with a semi truck, yeah, it's it's the momentum
1: that carries. Let mm. let him go. I love I love this analogy. I love the you know race car versus the dump truck. Yeah, yeah. Now, race car might be going 200. That was
2: my uh, my Prius comment
1: too. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. but, yeah, yeah. race car might be going 200, so, but so anyway, know, for those yeah. of
2: you
0: looking for for ammunition and that you can afford to wait for, there is other groups that make 375 Ruger ammo. Like you can go to choice choiceammunitions.com yes. and they will make yes. they will make you ammunition, they will ship it to you. Um, right. another one is Hender Shots. Yeah, Hender Shots makes good. Uh, premium unknown kind of munitions custom, custom ammunition. So there are options out there, but you're not going to walk into your general to your local yes. gun store and find those, those particular not, brands. Yes, those are
2: not over the counter, off yeah. the shelf hunting ammo yep. available. Yeah. Now that brings me back to my other point, and which is a 375 H&H. the 375 H and H. The 375 H and H was, oh boy, 1912, I believe, was when it was uh, first designed by English. Gunsmiths, nope. and it was specifically designed to go to Africa. This, these were in the days of the colonial Africa, um, you know, getting into um, the, the the German colonies and the English mm-hmm. colonies, and kind of the struggle for power between them uh, and, and uh, other European countries. More were of a involved late too. colonial period, but. That was when, you know, the Dark Continent really started to gain some notoriety, and people like Theodore Roosevelt had gone there and uh, um, written about it, and mm-hmm. there were some books about it, and then Hemingway was short to follow after that, and He so has a book
1: about that trip.
2: There was, yes, Theodore Roosevelt does. No, mm-hmm. Hemingway does. Oh, does he? Isn't there a book about the Roosevelt trip, too, to Africa? I believe there is. I believe there is. I thought I'd just I'd be shocked if there that. wasn't, yeah. but- so anyway, the 375 Holland & Holland Magnum was mm. made by Holland & Holland in England in 1912. Those are names. Right. <laughs> and th- th- this cartridge was designed with the-, the propellant of the time being cordite, and uh, it was designed to shoot, I believe, the original loading, correct me if I'm wrong and see if you can read this, but was right around 300 grains
0: pretty sure you're right for this
2: for this rifle it wasn't designed to shoot fast it was designed to have a big stopping power bullet to deal with dangerous game in africa and they used three primary bullet weights the primary bullet weight was
0: a 235 grain at about 2800 feet per second okay a 270 grain at about 2650 feet per second and a 300 grain at 2500 feet per second
2: okay so okay. those were the three original rounds that Holland and Holland brought out. So this rifle or I, I'm sorry, this this cartridge is rich in history to say the least. That became over the years a staple in Africa mm-hmm. and kind of became the gun that everything else was measured off of. Okay? When they when they were wanting to come out with Okay, let's take for instance the the 375 Weatherby. Mm-hmm. Roy wanted to be faster than what else was out there. 375 H&H was out there. Yep. So he wanted to improve upon that, okay? The 375 H&H is to the medium and big bore world what the 30-06 is to <sighs> the more common hunting calibers in yep. North America. I was just thinking the same gotcha. thing. It's just it's just been around forever. It works. It's not fancy. It'll, it's not fast. It'll never go away, but it's never going to go away. Yep. And because it's not proprietary to any one American company like the 375 Ruger is, mm-hmm. it's not monopolized for production of ammunition like the 375 Ruger is with Hornady. Yep. Federal still doesn't make three seven five Ruger ammo. Remington doesn't. Nope. Um I I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a whole slew of companies that don't make 375 Ruger. It kind of Bruger blows ammo. my mind considering how long it's been around. Barnes, I mean, at this doesn't, point, we're talking, Barnes doesn't do it either. It's a
0: 16 year old cartridge now or yeah. maybe more 17. Now, math, yeah, math now a company
1: like Hendershots will make almost any bullet combination yes. you want to yes. do. But you're spending how much
2: money?
0: The, so a premium I can tell you that a premium load 20 rounds in choice ammunition for 375 Ruger will run you about 125 bucks. Yeah. That's a 20 round box. Yeah. So. And you just hope that it shoots it out of your gun at that <laughs> yeah. point. That's Which ridiculous. We're, we're going to have some stuff that will help you guys out. With now,
2: that, that being said, right. 375. And I mean, <laughs> any dangerous game cartridge ammo is going to mm-hmm. be really expensive compared to, you know, 30-06, 270, yep. something yeah. like that. It's going to be exponentially more yep. expensive. But that being said. The three seven five is chambered by pretty much every major ammunition manufacturer in I mean to my knowledge I think they all, yeah three seventy five h and h is made by almost everybody mm-hmm. if not everybody Federal makes it in a variety of different loadings uh and and federal has a specific cape shock line of ammunition that comes in like a plastic hard box mm-hmm. that uh, that is you know m- more of the safari style bullets and they offer the the trophy bonded bear claw the swift a frame yep. different types of solids barnes tsx you know um Which, a- and anyway so that being said uh that no. uh that versatility of the three seventy-five H and H, number one, it's been around for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's in circulation everywhere. If you go to Africa and you've got a one gun battery to go yes. to Africa, I would bring a three seventy-five H and H. Yep. Because if, if if worse comes to worse and you get there and you have to shoot all your ammo, if you have a gun problem and you end up shooting your gun a bunch to try to re zero it, or you have a scope problem, or you lose it all, or it gets stolen, you know, be it what may. You're going to be able to find 375 H and H ammo there yeah. somewhere. Some other professional hunter, guide, or another client or a local store is going to have 375 H and H. Yeah. So now,
0: the the only downsides I would see to the H and H for most modern shooters, if you were debating between the Ruger versus the the H and H, outside of the ammunition availability, would be the case length and the barrel length. Is you're looking yeah. at a longer gun and a longer yes. case which yes. equals a longer action so you're you're okay. typically going to run into a heavier rifle with the h and h just based on those factors to reach these velocities of you know pushing the, the 26 to 2800 feet per second with these smaller loads and 2500 with a 300 grain you're needing a 24 to 26 inch barrel to achieve those velocities the ruger was designed with the intent to make not only a shorter case but to reach those velocities out of a right. 20 inch barrel so if you're
1: reloading your own ammunition if you're well, okay with spending so $150 well, well, the, the a box,
0: the, the, big, the big thing with it is that it makes it a better brush gun. Right. In, in a lot of these situations with where you're going, if you don't want to have a 26-inch barrel before you even put the muzzle brake on or anything else like that and try to be... Because it's not just Alaska that's thick. I mean, if you watch oh, any of these no, videos sure. about Africa, I mean, they're they're fighting through some some thick stuff in some areas. So so
2: standard barrel length for a 375H, H&H is 22 to 24. I've never seen a 26-inch barreled H&H. Hmm. Standard is usually anywhere between twenty-one to twenty-four. Like I said, some of them I've never seen a shorter one like that. Yeah, I, I've but I've run across quite a few 20, that are that twenty-four is the standard I've ever seen. Yeah, so twenty-two I see the most commonly just coming through guide camp. There are really? a lot of 22, 23 inch barrel. Now, they add yeah. a muzzle brake to it, and that lengthens it out a bit. Well, that's not going to do but, anything for your ballistics, Right, right, exactly. But it, but it does mm. make a difference for how handy it is in the On, brush. All, on all of the loading charts for it, it's all yeah. longer barrels. Yeah, well, so. yeah, I mean, it just goes to show. Tr- anyway. <laughs> so, like I was saying, now, the three seventy five Ruger, like we said earlier, is a straighter case. The three seventy five h H&H was designed to fire cordite, so... Part of the design of the cartridge to get it to be consistent burn rates was to um, taper, taper the case. Yep. Thank you. I was looking for that word. <laughs> so there's there's very little shoulder to the three, seven, five H&H. You can see where there is kind of a kind of a ah, I, I don't I don't want to call it a shoulder, but it ne- but little, where little, it starts a to neck bump. down, a little bump where it starts to yeah. neck down. It just basically looks like a big 30-06. Mm hmm as far as the neck goes there's very little shoulder to it right and that that h and h being tapered like that and having a very gradual shoulder so where it necks down makes it really smooth feeding so sammy has
0: it as a 15 degree shoulder now for reference a lot of the newer yeah. cartridges like your prcs and things yeah, like that are, are, are looking steep. at like 30 degree yeah Uh a lot of the the short mags are gonna even be even more. steeper yeah. than that, you yeah. know. Exactly. And then you got the Weatherbees; they've got a double
2: shoulder. That's right. So, so that being said, the 375 Ruger is a shorter but no taper case. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it has more of a shoulder. And because of all those factors, mm-hmm. you can fit more powder in there despite it being a shorter case. Okay you can fit 6% more in a three seven five Ruger case than you can in an H&H. So obviously, if you have a 24-inch barreled H&H and a 24-inch mm-hmm. barreled three seven five Ruger, the Ruger is really going to outrun it Yeah. with you know, maximum loads for each one in a 300-grain bullet. That Ruger is probably going to shoot you know, at, at least 150 feet a second faster than that yeah. H&H. Which is quite a bit when you're slinging a bullet that heavy. Additionally to that, the chamber design also it lends to better pressures. Okay, so you're going to see. So now what Hornady did was they cut the barrel down to 20 inches to make it handy for guides. Mm-hmm. It's really handy. You know, uh, Remy and I both guided the 375 Ruger. I got him into it a couple of years ago. <laughs> And he loves it. I mean, he loves his 375 Ruger. And I love mine. I I couldn't imagine ever going to spring bear camp without it. So, that being said, because they cut the barrels down to 20 inches, you generally don't see the box velocities from Hornady Ammo in a 20-inch barrel. I've tried it. Go, Go find out for yourself. Now... That being said, it was designed on a 20-inch barrel, is what I'm getting at. That being said, go look at Buffalo Boar's website. Look at the Buffalo Barnes 270 grain load. The owner of Buffalo Boar came to Alaska actually and tested that load. He has two 20-inch barrel guide guns, and the box velocity on the box is for a 20-inch barrel on the on the Buffalo Barnes. And he has Photos of his guns on his article underneath that load on, on Buffalo Boar. And he says, I wanted to test this load in this gun because this is the gun that I have. And this is the gun that I took hunting. If I'm not mistaken, he shot a moose at like 450 with that load. But I, I thought you said you,
0: you did chronograph the, the 270 interlocks at what the box said it was. At 20, that, 2840. Yeah,
2: so that, that one, I believe the, the box velocity says like 2880. Okay. Something so you're, crazy you're like that. Like 40 feet per second. I had like yeah. low 2800s. Okay. Something like that. But, you know, close enough. But that th- could be a difference of temperature. But, and, but a and 300 like grain bullet is going to have, uh, you know, quite a bit, um, quite a bit lower velocity, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the barrel length is going to play more with that 300 grain bullet than it will with a 270 or a 250. Yeah. So. Hmm. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I'm just going to have to do some looking into it because the, the entire design of the, of the mm-hmm. 375 Ruger was to achieve the same velocities out of a 20-inch barrel. So, that doesn't wh- mean which ammo manufacturer is
1: going to tell you their velocity. Which,
0: yeah. And, and, and to be fair, the, like, the Nozzler loading page does, say, does give you a 24-inch barrel for the, the load velocities that it's giving you. Yeah. Now, so I, I just want people to, to know if they can trust that or not. But... Well,
2: I'm going to so, look it up right just cause now. Just because I can
1: ask... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Hender Shots right now. I like looking at Hender Shots just to get some ideas of bullet comparisons. If I'm looking at uh, re- doing reloads in a cartridge, they give me a really good idea what kind of velocities I'm going to get out of a certain cartridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm looking at the 375 options they have, uh, and they have like six of them. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the 375 Weatherby or the 375 Ultramag?
0: So those are going to be are those more much vo- higher velocity
1: than either big one. Game? what no, no. what, what How those are are you be used?
2: they're still shooting the same bullets as right. an H&H and Ruger are, which are short dense stout dangerous okay. game bullets okay. that are not lending themselves to any kind of efficiency those bullets are designed to be used up close right and all that the Weatherby and like the UltraMag are accomplishing is just pushing that bowling ball a little bit farther out there so th- that's Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, so there are a lot
0: of bullets these days that are higher BCs in the 375 right. range. You've got the 260 grain Nosler AccuBond. Even the TTSXs and the CXs are getting those higher higher BCs these days. You can get a. Um, You're looking at. Uh, um, I think they have this. Which ones do they have options there? So this or is the ultimate right Some now, of the people.
1: other ones they have.
0: But. There are good options you know we've been looking at the Hammer Hunters lately you know mm-hmm. I've been on their website a lot and they have really good BCs for 375 bullets I can get my 375 Ruger to be have good killing velocity for expansion out to 600 yards with certain bullets that being said I would never utilize that gun at that distance simply because of the for dangerous game especially for dangerous game a moose or you're just going
1: to knock it over like I'm not going to use those but.
0: bullets for a dangerous game animal uh, I'm going to use something a little bit more solid and a little bit more right. uh, more dense, like he said. The frontal diameter is more what you're looking for there, and you want something that's going to be have a lot more oof now, when it hits. That, but
2: that being said, that there's
0: but n- those. Hold on, one second. Yeah the <laughs> the Weatherby and the RUM both will, if you use those high BC bullets, yeah. will get you out there to seven eight hundred yards. So you can get the, so, um, but with that. The 375, and actually, it's not the 375 Weatherby; it's the 378 Weatherby. I want to say, golly, I think it's pushing 50 pounds of recoil energy. Mm-hmm. Free yeah. recoil energy—that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Compare that to a 30 out six has about 20.
1: I mean, you so can't get you're the, uh, you are
0: going to suffer <laughs> if right. you shoot that. And I know people that, that will never hunt with anything other than a 378. So, like w- Weatherby, the
1: 375 Weatherby. Uh you can get that with Hender Shots and honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. And and for pr- those listening, there is a difference between the three seventy five and the three seventy eight Weatherby. They made both.
1: I don't yeah. know why. But but so looking at the three seventy five Weatherby here on Hender Shots. Honestly, if you're willing to order custom ammo from Hender Shots or a company like that, the price difference from that to a, a box ammo you're gonna you might be able to find for it, even for a three seventy five H and H isn't that much of a difference. I mean on Buffalo yeah. Buffalo the Buffalo Barnes he was talking about earlier for three seventy five H and H, and two seventy grain is one hundred and thirty six dollars mm-hmm. for twenty rounds. Yeah, the three seventy five Weatherby on hender shots is, uh, you know, from one fifty to two hundred, which is a little bit more of a price yep. increase. But once you're up, once you're at 130, dollars, <laughs> it just doesn't matter <laughs> at that at point. That
0: point. <laughs> now I want to bring up a good point with these, and I and then we're gonna have to kind yeah, of move, to move on to this because yeah. we're running out of time. But with a lot of these custom manufacturers, I don't know about choice, but I know Hendershot, you can do it. You can get your rifle shipped to them. And for a premium charge, I believe it's
1: 500 bucks, 500 to a thousand, 500 to
0: a thousand. They will take your specific gun, load ammunition for your specific gun tailored to you and your purpose. Yep. It's expensive, but then you can always, they'll send it back to you with a box of ammo or however many you ordered. And Mm -hmm. then From that point forward, you can always order the bullets for your gun. You can
1: order your load that they developed for your rifle.
0: So if you are tired of not being able to find factory ammo in the stores and you want to, maybe you don't have a reloading setup or you can't find the components you're looking for, maybe these guys have them. Yeah. It might not be a bad idea in the off season, post season, you know, and you've got, you know, nine months till the next opener to send your rifle in, get a custom load built and then you can just always go back and order that. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you the same amount per box after the case. And if you confront that initial 500 to to 1000 to get that load developed,
1: that's not a bad route I mean, to go. It's, uh, I, think, I think it's about $500. And then yeah. they charge you for what the components to, to develop okay. the load. Yeah. So by the time they charge you for all that, you're, you're probably going to be well over 1000
0: Now to wrap this, this particular part up, would you say, and, and I know certain outfits have a, a a load minimum i don't know if any in alaska do but i know some in africa do mm-hmm. to where you can't show up with anything less than a 375 alaska i know that you said yours doesn't have that but would you recommend this as a minimum
2: so we, we do have a minimum in the spring where i guide oh you do okay yeah i thought but, you said you didn't for some reason uh, i i might have gotten your question okay gotcha um in where i go in the fall i don't think that there's as much of a you know a minimum caliber okay. enforcement. Uh, and, and and again, this is not a legal requirement by the state of Alaska to hunt brown bear. You have to shoot, you know, at least a three seven five. You can you can shoot whatever you want, legally speaking, within responsible allowance, but um the outfit that I work for in the spring does say that you need to shoot a three thirty eight or larger okay. four diameter caliber.
0: Gotcha, so, which kind of is a good segue then Yeah, into the next step. Before we step into <laughs> that, okay.
2: I, I, I did some quick looking up here about the 375 Ruger because mm-hmm. we were talking about barrel length. In uh, tested velocities between the African Ruger African- 22-inch? 23. 23, okay. 23-inch yeah. barrel versus the 20-inch Alaskan mm-hmm. with 300-grain bullets he's getting about a hundred feet a second difference.
0: That checks out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, tipi- t- the typical expectation is about 30 to 40 feet per second per inch that you lose in barrel length.
2: And then and that can depend on powder. Now, what well. about
0: the factory thing? Because to my knowledge, it was designed on a 20 inch barrel. So as far as what I'm it advertises sure to what is
2: barrel is about twenty two. I, I are you, okay. I, I don't think I, I'm not seeing anything about them using a twenty inch for a factory testing okay. because th- 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 there are a good number of custom manufacturers that that chamber three seven five Ruger with twenty two inch barrels. Oh, all day, but they're they're chasing those higher velocities though. Right.
0: What I mean is that the original design of the cartridge.
2: The original That's... design was for a 20-inch barrel, mm. but I mean I I, I don't know. Yeah. That's I, I'm not seeing it pop up. We'll have to revisit that some other time. Absolutely. But that being said, the 375 Ruger with a 20-inch barrel is barely getting any better velocity out of the 20-inch barrel than you're going to get with the same grain bullet mm-hmm. in a 375 H&H out of a 22 or 23-inch barrel. You're going to get about the same ballistic okay. performance, which is fine. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. That is plenty enough velocity. And that's where I'm going to go with this. It, it was designed, number one, standard length action, equal to and greater than performance mm-hmm. in some situations than the older Holland and Holland cartridge. And doing it all in a shorter, more compact, right. short-barreled rifle. That is the guide gun dream. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, you get everything. It's control round feed. It's a three position safety. It's stainless, you know, the, the rubber hog stock. Now, some guys don't like that overmold rubber feel to it. I love it, honestly. I think it's fine. It's, it's... tacky. I can grab it if it's covered in, yep. <laughs> in uh, Vaseline and I'm not going <laughs> to drop it, you know. <laughs>
0: and, and, you know, it's not, you know, I've heard people complain that, you know, oh, it sticks or, you know, when I try to bring it up quick. It's not that bad. I've never had a problem and I've I've shot. I've never never experienced that. I've never had an issue with it. So
2: that being said, the 375 is a great option. Mm. The 375 is considered a medium bore cartridge. Right. Now. It's the biggest of the mediums, I believe. It does the job great. And I would probably say that the 375 caliber, whether Ruger or H&H, is the most common that you're going to see throughout Brown Bear Guide Camps in Mm. Alaska. It's going to be 375s and 416s. Probably the Remington. Yep. That's the most common for Alaska guiding for brown bears. Now, the 375 is really good because you can find it pretty much anywhere. Uh, Again, one variety or the other. There are a lot of easy to find rifle manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So if you're considering buying one for a guided hunt, the 375 is a popular and easy to easy to acquire option and for price reference i mean
0: you can find the guide gun that he has and, and the the ruger laskin that i have run generally around 1300 dollars depending on location and yeah. you know where you're at in the country but yeah you can also get a savage savage makes the bear hunter Ooh, yeah, model don't, and don't, don't do that i'm not recommending it but yeah it uh i want to say that when msrps for like Hundred fifty bucks or something like that. Uh, there's a, so, uh, but it's a, at that again, price. That price point there's, there's makes me. There's again. I'm not a, saying I recommend it, but at, if you're looking in certain price points, yeah, it, there's a wide range of availability. If you're I'll coming about,
1: on,
2: a, on a guided Alaska brown bear hunt, you spend the money on a control feed Ruger or a CZ 550 or something else that that's that's a higher yeah. quality gun. So uh, anyway,
1: if you don't mind my asking, that being said, before we move on to the next caliber, yeah. How many 375s do you own? <laughs> uh, prefer not to answer. <laughs> His wife's listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, working okay. on making it more. I'll just say
2: that. Yeah, he he likes them. We can just yeah. if you I, haven't got I, that idea yet. I love 375s. Yeah. They're versatile. Okay, mm-hmm. you can shoot a 250 grain bullet over 2,800 feet a second out of the Ruger. Get great velocity, great downrange performance. I can stretch it out there and shoot moose at four. 400 yards if I need to. Mm-hmm. Moose caribou. I could take a sheep hunting if I wanted to. Yeah. I don't want to. It's heavy. <laughs> it doesn't, but but they're, uh, not, they're but it eight, works. Eight, eight point two pounds from the factory dry without with scope, without optic. Yeah, yeah. With a scope and rings and the hogue stock. I mean, it and mm. with ammo in it, you're looking at over a ten pound gun yeah. oh, for sure. So, so anyway, another common option for brown bear hunting is a three thirty eight. Right. The 338 is probably the Alaskan baby. It's, it's God's gift a to Alaska. A lot of guys <laughs> in Alaska love the 338 yeah. caliber, and specifically the 338 Win Mag. Yep. It's been around for a long time. It ain't going anywhere, and it has that bullet weight range from 210 Usually being the lowest, and lately, the, uh, lately there's uh, been a 180. I hate coming that. out. I'm not a fan of the 180s and from, 338 from Hornady and Barnes. Yeah. They're both making 180 grain TTSX and a CX from
1: mm-hmm. Hornady. How fast is that thing so, moving? Uh, it's moving
0: about. Well, it's look. it's pushing 3000. I think. Yeah, well, it better um, be. It's, it's hauling now. Now, and and I just want to go on a slight tangent here too. The reason I don't like 180s in a 338 caliber is as Dalton was talking about earlier in the discussion about the, the 7 millimeter, mm-hmm. When you have those bullet weights yeah. it, per caliber with like the 7 millimeter to get up to the weight range of let's say a 190, you have to make that bullet longer. And the longer the bullet is, the more aerodynamic it's going to be. It's yep. going to have a better long downrange performance. When you take something that is, yeah, 300 or 3,050 feet per second, I was right. So if, when you take something that's a 338 caliber and you are pushing it or a 180 grain bullet, that thing is so short, mm-hmm. it's not going to have the downrange performance you want. A lot yeah. of people right. shoot those because, Oh, it's a laser beam, man. It's a laser yeah. beam and a laser beam is not what you need. You know, yeah. it, it's not, that's an old, that's the old weather beam mentality is, you know, shoot as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, the more effective ranges for a 338, most of them were designed around the 250 grainer.
3: Mm-hmm. They were,
0: you know, the the Weatherby, or the 240, or 340 Weatherby, sorry, the 338 wind mag, the, I believe even, I think the Lapua was designed around a 300-grain bullet, but the 250 to 300-grainers is where you want to sit with a with a 338 wind mag. You can push the 225s, I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to recant my statement, 225 to
2: 300 is the ideal? I have never seen a three hundred or three thirty eight wind Mag with a three hundred grain bullet ever.
0: Really? Never. Uh, not in factory loads. I, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never. Well, and, and I just meant three thirty eight caliber, not yes. Win Mag specifically. Okay. So okay. You, you got the gotcha. Lapuas, you got the right. three forty right. Weatherby, you've got for, the for, for three thirty eight. We're rum. talking
2: about with the Brown Bear discussion. I'm talking about the three thirty eight Win Mag and the three thirty eight Ultra Mag. The Ultra Mag, you definitely can find three hundred. Yes. The Ultra Mag, yeah. you definitely can. But the, 300, the, the 338 Win Mag, generally speaking, your factory load offerings are going to be 225 and 250. Yeah. That 250-grainer is going to be a Nosler partition mm-hmm. or a Remington Core Lock or something like that. And the 250-grain Nosler partition is a, is a really good option. It is. Yep. I know somebody that's, that's a Brown Bear guide, and that's what he guides with, is mm-hmm. a 250-partition out of a 338 wind Mag. Yep. And it works, but albeit it does not put the big brown bears down nearly as fast as the, uh, as the 375s do, like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. And it, it, it works, but it's not the ideal yeah. tool for the job. But the 338 does something else. It is more versatile yes. all around for more of that moose- and brown bear combo rifle, yeah. where you can stretch out a little bit farther, uh, easier with a three thirty eight Win Mag than you usually can with a three seventy five. So, from that perspective, I would probably give the advantage three thirty eight mm-hmm. for if someone lives in the interior and just wants to hunt brown bears occasionally, mm-hmm. and is usually just dealing with interior grizzly bears. A 338 wind mag is going to be really hard to go wrong with, with a 250 grain partition for a factory load. Yep. For dealing with big brown bears up close, you keep your shots in the lungs. I mean, and, and really, you can, you can take them, at, you know, frontal shots through the shoulders. It'll do it. I, yeah. I've I've seen it work. It well, does
0: work. And, and there's that the episode of the the backcountry hunting podcast with Joseph Bennett. Yeah, he talks about the 338 rum is his yes. ultimate Alaskan rifle that he right. built. And yeah, there, there's yeah. a really good episode on that.
2: So when I shot my first brown bear in Southeast, I shot a 375 H and H, and my buddy along on that trip was shooting a 338 Remington Ultramag. Okay, I had 300 grain Nosler partitions. My buddy had in his 338 Ultramag a two something 270 or 265 maybe Barnes LRX. Is, mm. it, is it a 275? I think so the LRX is
1: a 265. I want to see that
2: on, on our list. Here. Yep, 265. Yeah. It I was going to say it's the he, same as the ABLR. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So 265 LRX,
1: which is phenomenal bullet. Yes.
2: Yeah. They were hand loads and he was having some issues with them, but I'm not going to get off in the weeds about <laughs> all that. <laughs> But when I shot my brown bear with my 3.75, you could see the, 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 the reaction and mm-hmm. the felt impact that, was, that that bear was dealing with. First shot was in the ribs behind the shoulder yep. where it should be in an ideal world. And it jumped up on back legs and turned and roared super loud and was swatting. And, you know, and uh, anyway, uh, my buddy shot it. I believe twice to back me up, and I shot it one more time, and I, I actually recovered one of my Nosler partitions. I've still got it, mm-hmm. and we didn't recover any of his. No, we did. We did recover did Barnes three thirty eight out of that bear. Yeah, uh, the other one of his, I think, passed through, but it didn't seem to have the same effect on that bear. Well, and, and this is a reference back to that frontal
0: diameter difference,
2: right? His, his was expanding plenty big, but. I mean, just the caliber in general. Yeah. The, the initial. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and that, that frontal diameter difference, yep. given the 375, a little bit heavier, a little bit more frontal diameter, a little bit more displacement, mm-hmm. a little bit more energy impartation.
0: Which, and for those yeah. listening, the, the difference in diameter, frontal diameter between a 338 and a 375 is actually just a skosh more than the difference between a 30 caliber, like a 308 and, and a, a 338, 338 caliber. Yeah. It's, there's, it's a little bit bigger jump than even that. So, right, right. to put it in, into perspective,
2: if you haven't. So, I, I, that, that being said, the, three, the 338 Ultramag did fine. It backed me up just fine. It, mm-hmm. you know, it helped to kill the bear quickly and cleanly, and it worked great. Now, that being said, the price you pay in recoil on the 338s <laughs> yeah. is very different compared to They're what you pay snappy. in recoil to a 375. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A 375 is more of a big push type of recoil, mm-hmm. and the 338 is more neck down. It, it has more of a shoulder to it, like we were talking yep. about earlier, and you get more of that sharp, pointed recoil Yep, that is, to me extremely painful. I, I, I have no desire to shoot a 338. And, and I believe
0: I, in my experience, that's kind of the breaking point there. Yeah. Like the 338 and down is where you get into that snappy recoil, you know, the, the yeah. really quick muzzle jumping, snappy recoil where yep. you're, you know, it's just, Mm-hmm. that quick whereas the 375s and up once you get into those bigger bores yeah you're dealing with a lot of recoil it's more of a after push, though after you know 10 rounds you're you're gonna be bruised oh, but yeah, yeah. at the yeah. same time it's it's smoother yeah it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot smoother of, of a push yeah. straight back i found that with the 375 ruger when i when i yeah. first bought mine i was yeah. amazed at how comfortable yeah. even it was I, right i was expecting a lot worse
2: right now th- like i said that that being the case for me personally if if I'm gonna jump from um, from a gun that I would usually hunt with in the interior, I would jump from a 30 caliber straight up to a 375. Yeah. If you're going into a brown bear hunt and you're purchasing a rifle and you want to start, in my opinion, you want to start looking at a 375 mm-hmm. and up. If you can handle the recoil of a 375 and it's just no big deal see if you can go find a 416 to go shoot because if a 375 is good a 416 is better yeah okay and four, again for close range. we're not talking about anything over 150 yards Yep. that's important here because a 416 is a one-trick pony mm-hmm. now you can reload you know three 350 grain bullets out of a 416 mm-hmm. and kind of flatten it out a little bit yeah get a little bit better trajectory out of it however uh. Most of your factory offerings are going to be 400 grains, yeah. some even 450s.
0: Now, the other benefit, I'm going to circle back to the 338 real quick. Yeah. The, the, the other benefit to sticking with a 338 as your dual all cartridge for the interior of Alaska, and even if you did want to go down and, and hunt some stuff in southern Alaska, that's kind of the direction I'm moving is, is into the 338 realm, but... It's almost the opposite that you're going to run into with the 375, specifically Ruger, mm-hmm. is that your bullet selection is going to be massive because there's so many options of anything you could ask for mm-hmm. in, in 338 caliber. You have the extremely high BC long range bullets, you have the moderate BC, you know, intermediate range hunting bullets, you have the very close range round nose bullets, and you can. I don't really recommend having multiple loads for one rifle, but if you can, mm-hmm. the 338 would be a very, very versatile round. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're going to yeah, be able to go out and find ammo in just about any if you want cup and core, you want monometals, you want bonded bullets, you want long- range, short range, you're going to be able to find that ammo yeah. in one way
2: or another. And so that being said, while it does work for big brown bears, it's not ideal. Right. having a one gun to do it all for the interior the 338 would be a pretty good way to go yep. because you're on the bigger scale for what you really need correct yeah. for the interior right. but, but so- when you switch down to the coast where you're going to be dealing with these big thick heavy brown bears mm-hmm. now you're on the light side yep you really want something in a 375 with a 300 grain heavy constructed either a Barnes TSX or like a Swift A frame Man, I, that that's, Swift A-frame is a sweet bullet. That's, that's what I have loaded up or loading, I should say. It's basically a bonded partition. Yep. Is that, that's that's what it is in a nutshell.
0: If you go to the the article on our webpage, the three bullet types for big game hunting, I have a picture of a uh, right a swift A frame that's cut in half you can mm-hmm. see what the inside of it looks like yeah. there's there's yeah. a wall there that protects the bottom core of the bullet so it can't separate so yes. your your weight retention is going to be much higher picture like an H jacket style yeah. so
2: anyway so the, the the 338 works and and I'll I'll give you an, I'll give you a real world world example of the 338 I had a client and I'm not going to be specific About, I've actually had a couple of clients now with 338 Win Mag that showed up for brown bear hunts. And a couple of them (laughs) were not as educated as they could have been Mm -hmm. in bullet selection and bullet types. And they ended up shooting a brown bear with uh, 250 grain Remington Core Locks. And... (laughs) I'll just Man. put it briefly. What range? Uh, close. Okay. Close, I mean, that's close. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, mm. the energy impartation was. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was very oh, I, obvious. I can only imagine. But uh, <laughs> let's just say it took some convincing for that bear to die. Mm. Yeah. It did not want to go down. Yeah. Because you weren't getting the adequate penetration. Right. You got to have I, both. And I found. I found. Multiple core locks while mm-hmm. skinning out that bear. Oh, yeah. At the end of it, I ended up cutting the rib cage open just because I was curious. And I found multiple that mm-hmm. had gone in the ribs and didn't even break out yep. the other side of the rib cage.
0: And, and, and that, people, the, the core lock is a cup and core bullet. Non-bonded. So non bonded. Yeah. So the danger with those is now, you can enter into an animal, and when that jacket expands and rolls backwards, now, that lead yeah. core there falls out essentially and the lead being a softer metal mm-hmm. just grenades it, it turns into a, a hundred little pieces of 10 grains here mm-hmm. 15 grains there and that that's the danger of a cup and core bullet on on now i had game.
2: another client show up with a 338 wind mag that ended up shooting an absolute monstrous brown bear uh actually one of the one of the biggest ones that i've been in on and he had a three thirty eight wind Mag mm-hmm. with Nosler Accubonds, two hundred and twenty five grains, which the Accubond way on the light side. The Accubond expands extremely fast, and it expands big. But if you're going to shoot an Accubond in a in a brown bear setup, mm-hmm. it's got to be on the heavy side.
0: And for reference point, they make a two twenty five grain of two fifty grain and a three hundred grain acubond for three thirty-eight caliber. Yes.
2: Had he shown up with a two fifty, I would have been more comfortable. Yeah. I don't think a three hundred would stabilize out of his wind mag. It was an older model seventy. Mm. But anyway, in in like a three seven five application, you'd want a three hundred grain nozzler accuband. Yeah. That would be enough. But I wouldn't say that a two sixty is good out of the right. three seven five. Okay? Right, yeah. So he shows up. Shoots the gun. It's on 225 Nozzler acubond And we get on this absolute ancient, monstrous brown bear. And it was close to the brush. The shot goes off. And I didn't have any time to back up shoot that bear. And I already knew in my head what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I already knew that we weren't going to get enough penetration out of that bullet. And I knew that at the angle this bear was shot at he was probably going to end up hitting it in the front shoulder okay and i i wasn't thrilled about it but it was you know it was close well under 100 yards <laughs> and it was approaching dark and uh, he shot and the bear you know kind of pulled that leg up and mm-hmm. then ran into the brush and I, oh no you yep. And there was another guide with me on that hunt. And so both of us get out and get, get get out closer to where it had gone in. You know, we walked down the little beach a ways, got out of our little vantage point at the trees. And and we walked over there, the client's with us, and we kind of told him to just hang back. and We're going to go in there and look. And this, mm-hmm. as soon as you break in through the wall of trees... It's just about like 12 foot tall alders and thick Yep. and about 50 yards in, there's a big hill that just rolled up and over and then it rolled back down in some thick underbrush and you could see the alders moving on this side of that little hill. So I knew he was within 50 yards and I could hear him breathing (laughs) (laughs) and that's intimidating. (laughs) <laughs> when you walk into the alders, you can't see six feet in front of you. It's getting dark, and there's, there's a wounded brown bear that is very aware that you're coming in there after him. You were fixing yeah. to grin him to death, weren't you?
1: I was going to grin him down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old Davy Crockett but, style. That, 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 so, is a
0: situ- that is the opposite of the situation. You want to find yourself in. So... <laughs>
2: Long story short, I ended up maneuvering my way around and putting three rounds into that bear to finally mm-hmm. put it down for good and kill it. Yep. It didn't want to die. I, I shot it twice lengthwise with my 375 Ruger with a 270 grain Barnes TSX, that Buffalo Bore factory load, mm-hmm. and shot all the way through it. I mean, all the way out. And the exits in the back hips were three-quarter inches. I mean, it was yeah. big exit holes shot all the way through it and that that put it down and stopped it it wasn't getting up after that uh before that it was trying to get up the first time that i got a shot off i just saw hair it was probably 30 yards Mm -hmm. yeah no it it could have been 20 i I don't remember exactly right now but anyway i saw hair i got a glimpse of hair through the scope as i was trying to look for it where i saw the brush moving obviously you're shooting both eyes open yeah you have to Anyway, so I saw hair I you know kind of figured it wasn't the head just from the positioning of where I thought it was standing, and so I shot once, turned out it was the front shoulder, and I shot through it lengthwise, and it went down, and then I jumped up on a on a dead log and stood up over the alders, and I could see down to it, and I shot it again, and mm-hmm. it had it had fallen facing me again, so I shot him again through that lengthwise shot yeah. And then the other guide that was there back a little ways, um, ran up and handed me he had a four sixteen mm-hmm. uh Remington with three hundred and fifty grain Barnes T S X as I believe. okay
1: four sixteen Remington Ultra? No. Oh just no, Remington. Just Remington. Okay.
2: And uh I and he said, put a three fifty in it, you know, and <laughs> and you know <laughs> it's pretty exciting going in yeah. after wounded brown bear. So we're we're pretty wound up and and so I grabbed his four sixteen and ah, why not? And so, I shot it through the ribs and and uh now, you know what did just that- just making sure that this bear was dead. And that this bear was monstrous. It it it, it made Boon and Crock at all time. It was huge. Now after the autopsy, what did that first bullet do? So that's where I was going with this. That two hundred and twenty five grain Nosler accubond only took out one lung. Okay. Yeah. It, so, went, it, did he go through the shoulder? He didn't actually hit the shoulder bone itself, mm-hmm. but he went through the muscle of the shoulder. Okay. And it stopped in the in uh, in the chest cavity. Mm-hmm. It stopped in there. Yeah. And it did not make it to the second lung. Yeah. So, no. very you know very quick expansion. The shoulder was wrecked. I mean, it it oh. it was it was messed up. Yeah. But and, and- it wasn't broken.
0: It didn't shoot through it. For people listening, we're going to do an explanation on another episode and probably do a couple of video explanations of this. But velocity does not equal good penetration. Right. Uh, you know, you've got to have the momentum. Right. You've got to have the weight, that's, you know, well, from it, the bullet. You've got to have style. the properly the constructed, constructed bullet. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's so many things to consider. So don't think in this instance, that doesn't surprise me because… Yeah. A two hundred twenty five grain on a bear that size is just yeah. not gonna have the bear was over ten foot. It's it not gonna be able to penetrate that far. Huge, yeah. huge breath. It's bear. too light of a bullet and it's just so
2: Now that being said, the hunt after that, the client brought a three hundred grain nozzler partition out of a three seven five H and h mm-hmm. and shot his bear, you know, just inside a hundred yards. Shot it perfect shot. It was out on the tide flats and and uh, he made a great shot. Bear turns to line out and try to get away. And uh, after a couple of backup shots to kind of stop it, it expired yeah. quickly. Yep. Uh, but but that being said, even with a great shot with enough gun, a lot of times you are still backing them up. Yeah. The difference where a lot of guides like the 416s is in the fall when the bears put on a lot of fat. Yep. They're yeah. bulking up for the winter. The 416s really come into their own because you're shooting a 400 grain bullet, a little bit, you know, well, a lot heavier. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot heavier than a 375 or oh, a 300 yeah. grain bullet. And you're, you know, more energy. And the 416 Remington, I believe, shoots a 400 grain bullet at 2,400 feet a second. I and mean, it's, it's, it's moving it's pretty quick. Yeah. And and for reference, the 375 Ruger that I shoot shoots a 270 bullet at 2750 out of a 20 inch barrel. So velocity isn't always what you're looking for, but somewhere between that 2400 feet a second to 2700 feet a second is about perfect for brown
0: bears. You 400 grain Safari trophy bonded sledgehammer solid Mm -hmm. comes
2: out at 2400 feet per second. Okay. Yeah. That's probably pretty average. When you get above 2,700 feet a second, you get a different effect in brown bears. Right. If you shoot them with lighter, faster bullets, mm-hmm. even if they penetrate where they need to go, they just they don't act the same. If you shoot them with a big frontal diameter, you know, 375, 416, mm-hmm. big bullet, a heavy bullet with, you know, Adequate expansion and adequate penetration characteristics. They just, I mean, it it makes them sick. Mm -hmm. You know, it 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 stops them. And um, you're not you don't you don't get that with a 338. You don't get that with a 300 Win Mag with a 220 grain bullet. Right. You just don't get that with those smaller calibers. And you certainly don't get it with faster calibers. Just because you have speed doesn't mean that you have uh, I and, and, and I don't know what to even quantify that in because it's not a quantifiable result, if that makes sense. It's not energy impartation so much as it is yeah. that particular animal. Brown bears just react a very specific way to mm-hmm. being shot with different types of guns.
1: So we have one more caliber here Yes, I talked about. And this is, this is actually a specific cartridge. Okay, but, um, go for it. My rifle that i have right now for big game for big for dangerous game okay is a forty five seventy. right now i bought that because well i for one i got a really good deal on it mm-hmm. sweet rifle it's the uh it's the the marlin 1895 sbl got the big loop lever stainless yeah um and it's got um yeah i, I love it it came with the ghost ring sight on it, which we were talking about before the podcast mm-hmm. i didn't like it because 50 yards and closer you're good mm-hmm. 100 yards you're, you know, yeah. you're you're yeah. shooting a pie plate diameter, yeah. You know, and you might or might not hit the pie plate. And it's just not worth. It's it's just not worth it to me. You know? Yeah. I, so I put a um, loophole VX three, yeah, one and a half to five. five, yeah. Okay. On it, and um, I haven't had the opportunity to kill anything with it with that scope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did kill a small black bear with it at yeah. like eight yards. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it um, I I don't think it. Even felt it, you know. It just completely yeah. flipped it over backwards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But uh, anyway, what would be your thoughts be on something like that for? A so I, I have hunt
2: Yeah, I haven't had anybody show up with a forty five seventy, frontal diameter wise, and talking yeah. about that big heavy bullet.
1: That's. There's I mean, no reason why it would be bad. Guys have hunt, hunted Cape Buffalo with the 45 seconds. Yes. Well, and what's the now, you're,
0: you're shooting the 450 grains, right? I, I think
1: right now I have
2: 430s. 430s. Okay. Hardcasts. Yeah. 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 Kind of the, the, the factory standard heavies are 430 casts. Mm-hmm. Barnes makes a TSX, you know, a copper hollow point. 300 grain factory load. I think
0: they make a 310
2: grain uh, FTX from Hornady as well. I believe you're it's right. It's 325. Yeah. I have some of those. Is it 325 yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, at any rate, they make an FTX for it. So uh, th- that being said, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't have a- any history with the 4570 with brown bears. Mm-hmm. I, I know of a few guides that used to guide with that. Mm-hmm. The, the big advantage to the 4570 is in those brush situations where you're going in after a wounded bear. Yep. Uh, you, you could potentially need to throw a lot of lead down range. Yep. And it's, it's fast. fast. I can, yeah. I can put six you rounds. Can, you, you can work that 4570 a la Chuck Connors, the rifleman. Yep. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) phenomenal. I have practiced (laughs) the one handed cock with that thing. Oh yeah, uh, I mean you can you can go full John Wayne (laughs) with your forty (laughs) five seventy, and you know if you have six in the tube and one in the chamber. Yeah. That's a whole lot of firepower. And you can get seven rounds off yeah. pretty fast. And again, the recoil on that's more of a push than
0: anything right. too.
1: That's you know? nice. you're, really um, getting,
2: you're getting that push recoil. Yeah. And if you're familiar with it and if you're, you know, if you're practiced up with shooting that thing quickly, mm-hmm. do tests. I mean, and, and this yeah. goes for yeah. any brown bear gun. Yeah. You need to be able to put a pie plate at 75 yards, 50, and 25, and Be able to work that bolt as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. And from a a one hand down at your waist carrying the gun position with a round of the chamber and the safety on, you need to be able to run up, run that gun up to your shoulder, safety off, and shoot that first ply plate at 75 yards to simulate the start of a charge. Right. Mm -hmm. They say you need to do that under two seconds. Oh, yeah. Under two seconds. Now, that. Th- that particular test also, you know, Question. Th- th- that, that do was Do I have from- to shoot
1: 430 grain hard casts when I do that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, if you want to practice coming out of recoil with your bear loads, then yeah. yeah. Yes. Although I th- think that particular test, I believe, was developed for African okay, situations. Okay. A brown bear isn't necessarily going to be that, well, as fast as a lion, but you'd be shocked. Especially the at how initial response. So, like once they and move. Once a brown bear starts moving. Yeah. Uh, He he picks up speed
0: fast. So Madeline used, my wife used to work for the state of Alaska and and she went through some firearms training because she, Mm -hmm. part of her job involved going out in the field. And so they had a requirement for that. And I believe they did a test very similar to that for their final, you know, uh, test basically. You have
2: to be prepared and be able to get that first shot off mm -hmm. at a moment's notice in two seconds or less. Yep. That's going to depend on how that encounter goes. Yeah. Now, you might not want to make 75 yards the point at which you shoot an aggressive brown bear. A lot of times, if you're trying to just run it off, you can let them get a little bit closer than that. A lot of times, you can let them get closer than that into 50 or even 40 if you are in control of the the situation. If it has cubs, that's different, especially if the cubs are two- or three-year-olds now you're dealing with a whole herd of bears <laughs> and <laughs> those seven rounds and are going to be, don't yeah. want her to get close like that. That's a situation where you'd probably have to take your first shot a little bit farther away because you have to take into account if you kill one of them, oh, what yeah. are the rest of them going to do? So you've got to give yourself time to react to that. If the worst happens and they keep on coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like I said, um, speed and capability with being able to work it quick and being able to shoot a bear on the charge is important. That's why a lot of guys like those 4570s. Yeah. When my grandpa moved up to the state in the late 70s, he purchased a couple of those 4570s and that that, that was his that was his, you know, big bear gun and, right. he, and now he even cut he even cut down one of the stocks. To shorten the length make of make it ball more of a brush gun, no. and kind of make it a little bit quicker, and, and he was a shorter guy as well. Uh, and, and so, and, and, and for anyway.
0: any for any ATF agents listening, um, you know that was a long time ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I don't even know where those guns are
2: anymore. So boating accident. <laughs> no, I'm I, 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 I'm I'm serious. I don't know where no. they're at anymore. A, anyway, but uh, you know, and, and he, anyway, a lot of guys do that though. He mm-hmm. was just shortening the length of pull on the yeah. stock. He didn't make right. it into a new. <laughs> okay, no, he I didn't. Like, I think you were talking about making it he, into a pistol. No. He didn't cut the barrel <laughs> down. No. Yeah. no, he didn't cut the barrel down, and he didn't cut the stock off. He just shortened the length of pull. Mm-hmm. He's a shorter guy, okay. Right. So he just wanted to make it quicker, and uh, you know, just just faster target acquisition. And he had a he had a peep sight on that one, and I don't think it ever got used on a brown bear. Can you but. still
1: buy a forty five seventy with a pistol grip?
2: Yes, it seems really? it's got like a ball. No, no, not a
0: like a pistol grip.
1: Like like a sawed-off shotgun. Oh yeah, sure. they have one. Man, it just they, seems they,
0: like they have one in town actually. What that uh, thing? I know what it does. To a, my,
1: it, yeah, it is a push. I think it's got a ten. But what that does to my shoulder after a few shots of that hard cast? Yeah. Um, uh,
0: I think it's a yeah. ten, a ten or a twelve-inch barrel no and thing, yeah, a pistol thing. No now, one thing I'll chime into with the forty-five seventy is. I would cut the range down even more than you were talking about. Yeah. I would say the 4570 for a brown bear, fifty, 50 yards, yards or less, or less yeah. all day long. Because yeah. a lot of these bullets, they're not coming out fast at all. No, you yeah, know, you're that, that you're not the, launching a 375, you know, right. caliber bullet at 220, or at 2800 feet per second. You're launching a 45 at 2000 feet per second. Yeah, they're going to slow down a lot faster because of that yeah. frontal diameter. And so it's just
2: because of the restrictions in Africa for dangerous game hunting mm-hmm. in some of those countries you have to have minimum ballistic performances and the 4570 does not meet them
1: so in is a that lot just? Of, in so a lot i of imagine that's different countries in africa yeah. right in, so in, like
2: in, in in a lot of countries it's not even legal to go there and hunt dangerous game with a 4570 mm-hmm. because it doesn't meet the energy requirements right. the velocity requirements the bullet weight requirements mm-hmm. it, obviously it meets the caliber requirements 45 is a plenty big enough bore diameter. Yep. But as a but, as a bait gun, it's perfect. Yeah. For, but yeah, for well, North America, if things are up close, you know, that's great. It's going to penetrate very adequately. Uh, now, that being said, the 4570 uh performs on a little bit different on a little bit different level, okay? Yeah it's performing it's it's killing um how how, how do i want to say this it's a punch in the face no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> or a punch in the shoulder <laughs> well it, but, it, yeah it, it, it's 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 shooting these really heavy bullets yes. but they're not expanding bullets
1: no some they're, of them
2: are like the FTX is but not the heavy ones the the 3 the 325 is
0: the three
1: twenty-five FTX, but that's not a heavy. No, that's not no. A heavy, you're talking. No.
2: Yeah, when you're talking up the five hundred grainers, the four hundred grainers. When, grain when you there, look yeah. at what they advertise a forty-five seventy as a bear stopper, mm-hmm. you're starting at four hundred grains. It is True. pure yeah.
1: blunt force trauma. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, and and so a forty-five caliber bullet is, you know, you're you're putting a pretty big hole mm-hmm. through the animal that you're shooting, but. But, but okay, so so right here, so right here, from Hammerhead Plus P ammunition, Garrett's yeah. forty five seventy, five hundred and forty grain super hard cast Hammerhead at fifteen fifty.
1: It's extremely slow. That's very yes. slow. But it is it's very very. There, very there's slow. not much that's not going to move out of its way under fifty yards. Nothing. And, and, and however, here again, though, here, however,
2: how much? Like you were saying earlier, and I hate to use this, but how? <laughs> How are you imparting energy? So I was going to say,
0: because with that frontal diameter mm-hmm. and with, you know if you are using an expanding bullet, and these are if flat. you're using a solid, these, now there's two kinds of solids. Solid, Because the, there are solid bullets that are, are softer and they do kind of squish down a little bit when you hit an animal. Hmm. Um, I'm not thinking of the names of, of the, the manufacturers right now. I can, I can come back with that information. But um, the expanding bullets, you're still getting a little bit of expansion for reference sake i just looked it up a the 325 ftx that we were talking about comes out the barrel with 3000 foot pounds of kinetic energy that's still fairly substantial but not when you look at some of these other faster cartridges like yeah. a 375 yeah. you're pushing 4000 right. or 4500 yeah. or you know somewhere like that yeah. so for comparison sake it is going to be moving slower it is going to have a little bit less energy but the benefit there is the diameter. Mm-hmm. You know, the benefit there is that you are hitting this thing with almost a half inch wide bullet. Right. You know, th- this so, thing, so expands or doesn't expand there. Are, you know, if you're shooting a smaller caliber bullet, a imagine what a, t- what a times two, right. it's essentially, yeah, right. it's times two expansion already. A flat nose solid
2: ones. will cause some uh let's just say hydrostatic disruption right yeah it's not just gonna shoot like a full metal jacket if you were to shoot it through ballistics gel Mm -hmm. you're still gonna see a wound channel you're still gonna have a permanent wound cavity but it's not gonna be anywhere near what you would get if you were shooting a controlled expansion
0: yeah yeah bullet and the reason for that is the way that it moves through the right the tissue you know if you have if you're shooting a full metal jacket let's say out of a 223 or something like that yeah not for bear but for you know like i'll just use predator for an example if you're shooting that it has a nose on it Mm -hmm. and that nose is cutting its way through everything and you're not even really creating that much of a wound channel right with these flat noses that we're talking about here they are flat i mean you are hitting that thing with a blunt object. The black nose is
2: it, 0.36 inches on Im,
0: that. Imagine being on that 4570. People, I mean, I'm assuming if you're an adult, you've probably been cut a few times in your life with utility knives or, or some kind of kitchen knife. It, it's like the difference between a, being cut with a very sharp knife or, versus being cut with a blunt knife. The dull knife is going to hurt I don't a say lot it's, more it's, it's because like being, it's ripping versus being cut with cutting. a sharp
1: knife, being hit on the back of the hand with a ball peen hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you have a brick wall and a Corvette. And here we're back. <laughs> the Corvette so, might be doing 200 miles an hour, but yeah. that semi-truck full of gravel now is being doing 50. Said,
2: that being said, it, the 4570 has a place as a bear stopper. Yes. If... You're looking just for a bear stopper. But you wouldn't recommend it as for somebody to take I it on a hunt. I would not recommend yeah. the 4570 as a brown bear gun uh, for taking that first shot with a solid. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take it brown bear hunting, it'll work. But I would shoot. I and I don't know if you can get Swift A frames for forty five seventy. You can't. I don't
1: think. so. Can you? Well, can you can you? get them in four fifty eight. So you could do load. Oh, you could hand load. Are they fire pointed? A, yeah, though, and I Will, will they I
0: work in a tubular magazine? I wouldn't put that in a tube magazine.
2: Yeah. If if if, if they're a Depends Spitzer, on what, if, it, if if they're a Spitzer design oh, and right. not round nose, then I would not put that in a tube. Yeah. Magazine.
0: So, so anyway, we're uh, we're getting pretty close on time here, so yeah. I think this is might officially be our longest episode. <laughs> yeah,
2: but um, okay. So they it looks like Hendershots or uh, yeah, Hendershots yeah. does load okay three hundred oh it is a frame flat nose yeah I know I've heard of guys a guy's doing it three fifty flat nose oh. a frame so what that being, being said, eighty bucks
1: a bu- oh no what is that. Forty-five, seventy ammo is surprisingly 80 bucks a box? The Five hundred and forty grains from Garrett's, the super hammerheads are eighty bucks a box.
2: Wow! Which yeah. I mean, it's not using as much powder, and yeah, 4, true. Four hundred
1: and thirty grain, seventy grain uh, HSM at Sportsmans, which is what I standardly carry, just because it's easy to get, is um is about sixty to seventy a box right now. Mm-hmm. So, like the price wow. difference for for something yeah. like this, I think I'm gonna the, order some of these because. Yeah. Out. That's so, not bad. At anyway, one point, these were really expensive. Now I'm like. Wrapping it up with the 4570, mm-hmm. it'll
2: work. Yep. Will it kill it with a lung shot if you shoot a brown bear through the lungs with a, with a, uh, a flat nose hard cast? Yeah. Yep. It'll do it. It's not going to kill it as quickly yeah. because it's not having as much disruption going on. They do load,
0: Underwood loads extreme penetrator rounds for the 4570 as well in plus P. Okay. That's that, a, that
2: would, that's that would work a bad, as well. Yeah. That would work as well. But in an ideal world, you'd be shooting something like a like a Swift A frame that yeah. has a controlled yep. expansion. Yeah, exactly. Uh style of design. That's going to work a lot better. You're going to get a lot better stopping performance. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're shooting for head shots and spine shots uh with the 4570, it don't matter. You shoot it with whatever you put in it and, and, yep. and as far as hard cast yep. go, You just shoot a hard cast; it's going to work just fine. Yeah, and don't shoot your client's brown bear in the head. (laughs) That's a a good way to get a pretty small tip at the end of the hunt. There's a there's a
0: a a little tricks of the trade for for you new guys out there. So, all right, well, appreciate you guys listening to this longer episode that we have here. It's uh, hopefully you were able to get some really good information from it.
2: There's a whole lot. If you have
0: any questions regarding, yeah, a lot of tangents. If you have any questions regarding more information on a specific round that maybe you're looking at taking down for brown bear hunting let us know send us an email uh, there's the contact button on the webpage northernhunter.com go check us out you can also go check out our all of our socials if you message us there too yep. we'll we'll get back to you it's a little bit less efficient that way but we can do it so, so
1: uh, we we've been talking about rifles and mm. your coastal brown bear hunt on your coastal brown bear hunt yeah and the rifle you bring in your scope of choice the best thing you can get <sighs> to protect that is the scope and crown cover from Stealthy Hunter? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> what a nice little advertisement. Yeah, I thought I thought yes. that was an order. This yes.
2: podcast is brought to you by Ryan Lampers and Stealthy Hunter, and the glassing pads and the scope covers would come in handy on a coastal brown bear hunt. Yeah. Where the environment is probably going to be wet, and if it's not, then you might not be in Alaska. You might have gotten tricked. Because if you go brown bear hunting in Alaska it's going to be yeah. wet that's just how it is and uh, a nice little glassing pad you know keep your seat dry mm-hmm. and uh keep the keep the salt water off your scope absolutely
0: and when you get to their website make sure you use the promo code the northern hunter and you'll get a get a discount on yep. all that good at, stuff so check
2: out yeah the yeah. northern hunter at checkout
0: one word all right so if you guys like this show and if you guys have been listening for a while make sure you Subscribe to the show, download it on your iTunes or wherever you're listening. Give us a good rating, leave sure. a review, send it to your friends. Yeah, share it with your friends. Let everybody know about yeah. it. And we're we're having a lot of fun making these,
1: and, mm-hmm. and we'd really yeah. like to continue. If this is just way too long, let us know, and we'll yeah. work on shortening it down. Otherwise, we haven't really heard anybody that said we it's have too had, long. So. I've I had a lot of people
2: that like the two-hour shows. Yeah. yeah. so I had one I like person let me know
1: that... He goes, "You know, sometimes he goes, I try to listen to your episodes, but sometimes I just stop cuz, you know, I just I just get bored. It's too long." <laughs> yeah. Well, but, break it up throughout the
2: week then. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's Take what it I do. Take it one bite at a time, but nice thanks right, for guys. listening anyway.
0: So, like I said, go check out the website. We got everything we're working on is coming out there, and we have some new equipment on the way. We have some new new stuff coming out for you guys this year, so we're real excited to bring that out. And we're excited for all this episodes coming up. I can't I can't. Next week I can't is going to be fun. I can't too. tell you how yeah. much fun we're having. So, yeah. thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: All right, thanks for listening. One.